Acast empfiehlt. Podcasts, die wir lieben. Welche Sorte Chips ist die beste? Und wieso machen Chips eigentlich so süchtig? Welche Döner-Soßen-Kombo ist die richtige? Oder gehört Soße überhaupt auf den Döner? Alles Fragen, die die Foodie-Welt bewegen und ein kleiner Vorgeschmack auf unseren neuen Podcast Imbiss 3000. Wir sind Per Mörling von Berlin Food Stories und Asini Kneifel aka Andong von My Name is Andong. Bei Imbiss 3000 geht es um die Ess- und Snackkultur, die Deutschland wirklich bewegt. Es wird deftig und süß, es wird fettig und salzig, aber ganz sicher immer ein akustischer Gaumenschmaus. Dein Weg ins Schlemmerparadies. Willkommen im Imbiss 3000. Bei Acast finden die besten Podcasts aus aller Welt ein Zuhause. Abonniere diese Show oder finde weitere spannende Podcasts bei Acast oder wo immer du Podcasts hörst. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is very much back with the ill behaviour. Well, not too ill, I hope. Uh, we all seem to be in rude health after the summer break, and I'm very, very glad to be back at the football. We all are, I think. Now, to say the return to the bridge was emotional yesterday would be an understatement. Uh, for some of us, the wait has been a long 18 months. The sheer joy in seeing old friends... Uh, and familiar faces in all their natural habitat. I mean, it, I, I was I was on London is Blue pod yesterday, and words failed me. I mean, the, the joy of it was just indescribable. But thankfully, Chelsea captured the party spirit perfectly with a dynamic and comprehensive three 0 victory over Crystal Palace to get the Premier League season up and running. But talk, talking of emotion, to see Trevor Chaloba, the latest model off the Chelsea Academy production line, score a superb goal on his league debut and then fall to his knees in tears at the enormity of it all was truly something. Oh. Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. It capped oh. a fine day, but spare a thought for many displaced ticket holders in the Matthew Harding lower who were unable to go due to the rail seating installation not being finished. An appalling situation which the club should should never have allowed to happen. But that, that said, Chelsea are back, and so are we. There really is no place like home. Chelsea fancast number 830 is simply called Home because it was so lovely to be what I regard as home. I mean, I said it in that article the other day, JK, and I had to kind of think about it. I've been sit I mean, you've probably been in your place longer, but I've been sitting in that seat, uh, row S229, gate 17, for 20 years now, I think, 19, 20 years. It's a long time, even for somebody as old as me. You get used to the surroundings, don't you, Chidge? Yeah. You get used to the uh, you get used to the contours of the seat upon your buttocks, don't you? Yeah, well, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, Marco, of course, sits metaphorically. Yeah, but Marco sits not not far away from me, and and I mean, you know, I've I remembered after a few years sitting there, you know, Doctor Martin, I would think, oh, should we go and go with Matthew Odinglow? Oh, should we go in the shed? And so we did Armanar about it, but it always came back to. We get such a phenomenally good view from where we sit, and I and and I think you know, even though the older I get, the more I struggle up those infernal bloody stairs. It's worth it, and of course, and of course, now I know so many people in Gate Seventeen, and I think that's half of the fun, isn't it, Marco? 
I've muted you like a prick. Sorry, mate. <laughs> you have to unmute yourself, Marco, because I muted you. There you go. Sorry about that. You were bleeding through again, so I muted you. Bleeding through. Um, yeah, so um, having bled through uh, the Leicester game where I was in the West View, um, I then uh, went in to the Spurs friendly and sat in my seat and thought, this is fabulous. Now we just need to have a crowd. And uh, yeah, so it was a great view. And the sound of the crowd, you forget quite just how loud a full crowd in a, in a stadium actually is after uh, not experiencing it for, for quite some time. So, yeah, brilliant. It was you forget how irritating the opposition chanting can be as well, don't you? That's the other well, I, fair, fair play to the Palace Ultras in their actions <laughs> um, for, for their, their Teutonic flair. Cheering their team when they were 3 0 down. Yes. Um, and going down with the Arsenal. Mate, I, I, you know, I can't, I can't look at the Palace Ultras all dressed in black without hearing that wonderful Stranglers song. We are the men in black. In that yeah, very exactly. funny, reedy voice. They remind me of that. Anyway, I very rudely got swept away in the motion of it all already uh, by not actually doing the formal introductions. But of course, for the first time properly this season, first fan, proper fan cast, Monday night fan cast of the season, it's a warm welcome to Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Oh, hello. I thought I'd been introduced already. Thank you very much. I'd love you to be on the nice, show. I skipped that for some bizarre. <laughs> I, got, I got very emotional and I skipped it, but there you go. Yeah, that was fair enough. That was fair enough. And I also... I, I can't really empathise with what you were saying about seats because slowly but surely I have made my way down from the back of uh, Aussies to the front row, but it's taken me 25 years. So uh, I've never really been in the same seat at all. So, But it's just been in the same area. But, um, but yeah, because uh, I'm, I'm now in the front row, which is, uh, which is great. Um, and um, it's, it's, But, yeah, it was a joyous experience, wasn't it, Chich, watching the the team play and also play so wonderfully, which really helped. Um, and, um, and also on the show tonight, um, sharing this, uh, the joy that we clearly had, of course, is the, uh, the wonderful, um, the wonderful, uh, oh my God, the wonderful Martin Wickham and, um, uh, and the completely brilliant Marco, but you've introduced Marco already. And, uh, and Martin was just, was enigmatically there waiting to be, uh, to be called in and he will now um, say hello. Good evening, he says, trying to swallow water very quickly. <laughs> Martin, I chose the moment wrongly, sorry. <laughs> you're you're okay. drinking water. What's happened? Um, Monday is what's happened. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, if you do these on like a Friday evening or straight after the game, there'd be much stronger substances taken. But um, for now, I'm just going to um, ease myself into the week. And yeah, it was a brilliant weekend. I mean, slightly different from me because I happen to go to games in December and May. So it wasn't the first time I'd been back at the bridge, but certainly the first time I've been back at it at full capacity. And as I worked out afterwards, I think Chiloba's goal was the first I've seen in front of the Matthew Harding by a Chelsea player since that Everton game in March 2020. Well, there you go. There's a lovely bit of symmetry that I share, which I will share with you all later. But uh, 
Just to let you know what's on the show tonight, uh, we'll be discussing just how good it was to be back at the bridge. We've already started, no surprise there. Uh, we'll applaud a fine performance by Chelsea, especially Marcus Alonso and uh, Trevo Chaloba with his dream debut. In part two, we'll be asking, should we be concerned by Pulisic and Werner's form? What difference will Lukaku make? Does his signing mean we're title favourites? And do we need any other additions to the squad? And we say thank you and farewell to... Uh, Tammy Abraham. Maybe we should say Arrivederci, Tammy Abraham. But uh, in part three, we've got some odds and sods with the results of the fannies for the Palace match. Uh, if um, if you're listening live on Mixler, then uh, the you can vote in the fannies because I've got it on our, our Twitter, Chelsea Fancast Twitter feed. So if you want to vote in that, be my guest. The poll, poll will close at eight. Uh, so we've got the fannies, the results of that for the Palace match, the Chelsea Fancast season predictions, which Dean has done a number on. Uh, we're going to go through that. And, of course, we've got the results from the first round of our Prem Predictions League, which all four of us are in. Uh, and we have an email. We have one email to reach out, which I'm very chuffed to hear. So there you go. Now, don't uh, forget, as always, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7pm by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea-Fancast. Where, of course, you can join in all the chat by posting on the live chat page, which so many of you do. There are, I would, ex- I haven't looked actually, but oh my goodness me, yeah, they, they've all figured out we're back. There's loads in Mixler tonight. Lovely to see you all. I'm, I'm waving to you in a kind of a royal wave. Right, we will be back in a second to talk about the football. Welcome back. Uh, right, so starting as we mean to go on, um, we kind of have already done this a little bit, but as I said, it was so it was so utterly good to be back. I mean, you know, I, I haven't been to Stamford Bridge uh, to sit in my own seat since February the twenty sixth, twenty twenty, when we played Spurs. So it was really um, special to be back. But of course, for me, uh, it's not. It's never has never has been about watching you know 22 players kick a football around on some grass it's always about everything else going around it and and I can't I can't tell you the joy I had when I wandered up to uh, the CFC UK store Marco for the first time <laughs> in 18 months and saw your little face grinning away and all the usual suspects there DJ Brian Tim was there and I just thought oh hello it's, this is like normality it was just absolutely lovely um, so that was great, and we met a load of people there. I, I'm going to have a, I'm, I'm going to do this actually from now on on a match day because I think it's important. I'm going to do a match day roll call because I saw so many people went to the cock after being at the stall. The usual routine. Dan was sitting there like King Rollo, having booked out half the garden in the cock, and there were some brilliant people there. And then, you know, I I bumped into some people in Gate 17. I bumped into Heon, would you believe? Heon, yeah. yeah, he was sitting right behind me. Could you believe it? He just got. He said, he, "I couldn't not be here for this game," so he managed to get a ticket. And I bumped into loads of people afterwards as I was hanging around waiting for Jonathan to Dane to come and do the video with me. 
It's all right. I was only there for 20 minutes, but it was okay because they had all these people who came and said hello said, to me. You said 10 and well, you didn't ring. You didn't ring. It's inflation, you mate. You didn't ring. You didn't send a letter. You didn't bring flowers. Didn't write, didn't bring flowers. Didn't, no. didn't email. No. no, I know I didn't. Well, that, the reason I didn't was because I was kept on bumping into all of these people yeah. who wanted to have having a, a really good time. I yeah, was you actually. Were, yeah. You actually said to me, I signed a few autographs. No, I was pulling your leg on that one. I was pulling your leg on that one. But I'm going to do a match day roll call because I think it's very appropriate for this match. But at the stool, DJ, um, Alan, lovely Alan, whose books I'm getting signed uh, for him. Ben, Brian, middle of the middle of the shed. Spy, I had a lovely chat with Spy, Tim Rolls, and of course, Chuckles, Jason, of course, the cabbie, my favourite cabbie. Brilliant to see all them. at the And then in the cock, Ian Titchener, Dan, of course, Tommy, Stu, who is uh, the founder member of the fan cars, as he reminded me. The lovely Tracy from 1905, Ken Barkway, who was very rude about my hair. His lovely son, Callum, Nicole, Cunal, Nick, Pablo, Waltz, Walter. I saw Walter and Tall Paul, James Copper and Alan, Rick, Rick Glanville, Walker, Mitch, Bex, the lovely Becca, Nathan from the Chelsea uh, Grave Society and the wonderful Loza from the beautiful game whose birthday it was yesterday and uh, at Stamford Bridge as I said I saw Heon and the lovely John who sits a few seats away from me in Gate 17 a lovely chat with him um, Andy lovely Andy Silverman and Nikki whose birthday it was as well uh, and then Gary and Kimberly I bumped into as I was walking back to my car Temba more of him later and his girlfriend Cassie came up to say hello and Chris from South Africa who came up and said Hi, mate. I'm from South Africa. I've written in an email a, a few times in the past. I mean, it was just lovely. I mean, it just felt it felt like coming home. And that was the point. So enough of me and my excitement about it. But Jonathan, um, was um, was Sopwith pleased to see you again? <laughs> well, Sopwith is with me all the time, Chich. So, you know, there's not a question of being pleased to see me. He just he just makes a, a comfortable place for me by the fire. And it was a bit chilly in there, as you'd suspect. And uh and he got me some uh, some fried swan, and then I didn't watch the game at all. He just whispered Hang in my ear, "Fried, me what fried swan, fried swan." Yeah. It used to be roast swan. Are they, are they, are they, are yeah, but we, I was a bit late. I was a bit late. Right. So okay. he just did, you know, just did, uh, um, yeah, good old Sopwith. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, if I got there with only ten minutes to spare for the game, which I rather like actually, so I just went in and watched, and uh, and all my old mates were there. Yeah, it was it was joyous as I've said. So uh, and also, my I've got a problem with with watching the team though, which is that clearly I don't actually understand what's going on anymore. I think we're into a world now of of uh, occupying space and formations and um, routines that the players have learnt, uh, and I think they've gone a level beyond us. Because I'm trying to work out what's going on on the pitch, and I have absolutely no clue what's happening. We no longer understand football. It's past. No, well, I, I, I don't think we do. I don't think we do because <laughs> there, I told you. I think I, I said there was a wonderful moment where where um, I thought we'd had a great move, and it just failed. We failed to score, and um, Tuchel got absolutely furious and started waggling his arms around, and then held up one finger, two fingers, and one. And I thought, one, two, one. What on earth is that? And he's got an assistant. I don't know if you've noticed this, guys. He's got an assistant. I've never noticed him before. Who leaps up, short, very short-haired guy, and is very frantic, more frantic than him, and keeps going, pointing for the back post or whatever, pointing. And I don't know which one he is. Have you got any idea who that guy is? Of the Who's much more flamboyant than any of the others. He appears to be some kind of... That's what he does. He points to defence. And he did. He held up five, five, four, and a two. I thought, what the fuck it's is Maybe that? it's like American football. They're calling moves, mate, maybe. 
It's all maybe, but anyway, but later I'd like to know who this guy is. Anybody on Mixler know who the chap is who who's the the bouncy one next to Tuchel? But also, uh, are they for are are different formations moving around all the time? Is it utterly fluid according to what's going on? Is it? You know, I read a review of the uh, the Bayern um, game at the weekend. Who did they play? Dortmund. And it was like reading. I, I completely had no idea what I was reading. It was like a foreign language. They're all they're moving, and it becomes um, uh, four, three, two, one, and then it moves, and they all the press changes, and the, they move to a diamond. This is all in the case of one move. You just go, oh, okay. And they're all suppressing. Ah, but then he brought on another winger, and the winger forced them all to to rechange the formation. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I thought I was grasping it, but uh, under Tuchel, it appears to be a completely different yeah. thing. Well, we'll, we'll get into that in great detail could, in a minute, possibly, my friend. If we um, could. So, Marco, um, a big day for you, wasn't it? You know, because the stalls open for the first time. I mean, <clears> I would imagine since since March. And you know, you, you, like me, you're 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 massively in love with Gate Seventeen. I have to say, my love for Gate Seventeen has been heightened by the fact that you've made Gate Seventeen such a thing with all the books and everything. Um, but uh, I, I I get all of that. So you know how how emotional day I would have thought. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I mean not not without its little hiccup in the morning, uh, <laughs> slight panic attack, which was um, not expected. But there you go. You know what I mean. So I think it was just uh, too much emotion. Well, I mean that that you probably didn't. Know. I see. I didn't know that because of course, as always, I rock <laughs> up really late. But I only knew that because. I had a quick snog with Alex Churchill on the oh, way to the game, and she as said, "As you do, yeah, as you do." And I hadn't seen her for eighteen months, and she said that you, you, you know, you were struggling a bit in the morning. That's why I texted you when I was at the game, yeah. just to check in with you, mate. Really? Yeah, no, I think I think it was just. Um, I mean, obviously, having had issues, I just think it was the first time. Um, I mean, I saw more people. Yeah. Did it the you know I went to the FA Cup final, um, which was a decent crowd, uh, but I, I don't know. It was just very emotional. So I think I was it all uh, came on top a little bit, but I was fine after that. I'm really I'm really not surprised at all. As I said, I mean I expected it to be very emotional actually, but I think largely because I I, I mean basically John collared me as soon as I walked into the into the stand and I was just off having a chat with him and that actually kind of because I was thinking I might actually blub a bit here the minute I walk through the the entrance you know when you see the pitch but I didn't but I mean actually I've been wondering this you know with my my you know work hat on we've all been stuck inside for so long we've we've had so little contact with big crowds we've got we've become quite isolated and I was wondering what it would be like you know going back out into a big crowd for, for the first time in a long time and I think it really helped the fact that I went up to Nottingham last week. That's the first time I've really been out to like a big do, you know, and uh, and that kind of eased me back in. But I mean, it's it's no surprise. It's it's you know we are not designed to be, you know, locked away in a cave. We are social animals. But I think going back thought, to that can be a bit freaky. I think it was, it was what was brilliant was it was just like one after another. It was just familiar faces. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, that hadn't hadn't seen. You know, people like Paul McAvoy who comes over for every game from Ireland. You know, people like that who you just would not see, um, keep in touch with on social media and stuff. But you don't see uh, unless you're at a, you know at a game. Um, and all you know, Paul and Pearl who come down from the Midlands. Um, 
yeah, all, all those guys. It's just, uh, you know, the long distance travelers. Um, it's just brilliant. And you, you forget, you know, I mean, it is quite a long time and it, you sort of forget what uh, a huge part of the fabric of your life these these people kind of become on a on a on a match day yeah um and you know and how many match days are there in a year so you know the, the, these people are kind of part of your life um and very lovely they are too yeah well that, that's why i felt compelled to to name and name name and shame i almost said there but so. i have to say the the, the, the the, the, the first funny moment on the stall was when Martin Wickham came bowling along just as I was talking to um, uh, Walter Otten, who had, you know, he, he's been on these walks. He looked like he'd been on, uh, on a sunbed or on holiday in Saint-Tropez for six months. Martin, pale skin... Next to this, this, this anti-Celtic bias, I will not fucking have it. You know, like if, I, if if I stay out in the sun too too long, I'll get fucking cooked. It's my it's my it's my genetic misfortune. But there we go. Um, yeah, it it was enjoyable to see everyone, even though the first thing Marco said to me was a massive piss take. But there you go. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, actually, the combination of you and Walter would have looked very much like a pint of Guinness, I suppose. Not it wasn't that turn. Okay. All right, fair <laughs> enough. I mean, Mar- Marco makes a superb point there, actually, and and this is one of the things that I think we all don't think about too much. But you know, I uh, there's a guy who, well, I was very conscious, like, okay, who's going to be here and who's not actually, which sounds a bit morbid. But you know, the guy, there's a guy who sits a couple of seats away from me, who's been there probably for almost as long as I have. And we always have a chat. We always shake hands, you know. We always have a big hug when we <clears> score a goal. <throat> I do not know this bloke's name. I've been sitting two or three seats away from him for most of the time I've been in K7, and I don't know his name, which on, the, which on one level is awful. But on another, that is football. It's not just the friends that you, you, you know that you've missed. It's the other people that you, you know to nod to, you know. And that's really what it's all about. And I was so pleased. And I spent a lot of time just looking around because I know I know where a lot of people that I know sit, so I'm looking around, and it's just such a weird thing. Martin, I mean, you know, you were very worried the last time I spoke to you before the match about you know the ramifications of the Matthew Harding lower and and the seats not not being ready there. But you you got lucky, didn't you? You managed to, yeah. Yeah, I, my block was unaffected, but it was still an absolute shit show. All the same, and I had plenty of people who were affected by it. And I think it's, you know, indicative of the community around Chelsea that a lot of people who were affected were able to, to attend the game, whether through spares, uh, other people supplying, you know, leftover tickets. So there was, you know, a good bit of work done on that, but it was still absolutely appalling, to be honest. And I, worse I, took was picture, you... I took a, sorry to interrupt you, Martin. Okay. I, took, I took a picture of um, uh, the seats opposite me in the West Stand that are always empty and they were still empty with the yeah. box. Yeah, I just think they could yeah, really, they could have just put people up there, and if they were scared of them taking advantage of the situation, just just police them in some way, you know, just say you can't go and use the the uh, the hospitality facilities, but just sit in the seat. It would, it was there were enough seats up there, I, you know. I've got a photo of it. It yeah. was completely in disbelief. This is always the case. They never, they never fill these seats up in any game ever. You might have one box that's got four people in it or something in the seats, but all the others are completely empty. Um, yeah. 
mad. It's, it's yeah. criminal. There's a, there was a general, I mean, like I said, the block 13 was absolutely fine, but, you know, the barrier was put in place. The seats weren't numbered. Um, there was fucking brick dust on them and things like that. So even though I never sit down on the damn things anyway, so I took one look and thought, right, I'm not going to at half time now because it just be, it's covered in dust. It just, it looked like a building site for the want of a better term. Um, I know you've already talked about, you know, the supply chain issues they may have faced, but in my view, it was inexcusable and there were probably better ways to project manage it. You read, you read my piece, which pretty much said that then. Yeah, it was, it was piss poor. I mean, they announced it in April. They had from May onwards to to work on it. Yeah. So they can't use the pandemic because that was only a thing from July onwards. Well, they mean, just got caught. As you said, Martin, I mean, the other thing is, is that even if they were sure that they could get it done on time, they should have had a contingency in case the unforeseen mm. had happened. And that's what most sensible companies do. And anyway, let me, mm. I won't wish her on about that anymore, but the club know, that's for sure. I mean, talking of people who didn't make it in, Martin, there's a Chris a Chris M23 who's with us tonight in Mixler. He couldn't go because it was shut off. So, you know, we all know a lot of people. I mean, Mark Meehan, uh, you know, he was affected as well. Although he managed yeah. to get a ticket, luckily, so it's it's a real real load of arse gravy, in my opinion. And the club have not done a. I, I mean, I know they tried very hard to do what they could, but I think it was too little, too late, basically. It's what if they'd given in recompense, which I mean is feeble in comparison. They should have given them seats, but what actually have they offered them? Have they offered them free Champions League seats? Is they, this, they've is offered. This uh, they've offered obviously to refund the ticket, keep the loyalty points if you bought one. Uh, pay reasonable travel expenses if you have any, and you get a pick of one of the first three Champions League games. Yeah, have you seen who's in pot two for this year's Champions League? Uh, no. Uh, right, Let me, let's reel this off, because across Europe, quite a few upsets in league. So, Real Madrid, Barcelona. No way. PSG. <laughs> no way. Juventus. No way. <laughs> really? Yeah, well, Lille won the French League, Inter won the oh. Italian League. So, as a result, all the... Big names, if you like, are in pot two. So we're going to draw at least one of them because it's them four plus, I think, uh, the other English qualifiers, etc. So there's a fair chance we're going to get one of those teams. Somehow I can see Chelsea quietly rescinding the offer of a if on the pot two game, but need, well, they need to be kept, they need to be kept honest on that. They do indeed. Um, all right. Um, I mean, one other thing I would say, and I mean, you know, because I'm, I'm sure we would have talked about this actually throughout the. Uh, um, you know the match itself, but the other thing that that really struck me, Marco was absolutely right. Actually, um, you forget how loud it can be at the football when you haven't been for eighteen months. And I mean, at t- I mean, I I thought we the support was exceptional yesterday. I think people were so happy to be back. It was like a real party atmosphere when they, you know, after after about fifteen minutes, they were asking the shed end and the west uh, stand to give us. A hardly song. stopped, Chich. Yeah. The singing hardly yeah, stopped. I know. Like, and then, and then they minutes. and then they got bored and asked, you know, asked if Palace could give us a song. I mean, it was a yeah. party atmosphere. But um, that when they sang, we we, that we said we did sing, you know, Champions of Europe. We know what we are an awful lot. And there was a moment in the game when we when all four sides of that stadium was singing it and it was it was ear splitting the noise i mean i i felt my ears go oh fuck that's loud and also when trevo chaloba scored it just the roof went off so absolutely fantastic and i wanted to bring that up now because there's been i mean i know it's twitter and that's all nonsense but there are people there are actually people in the discord group saying oh you, you weren't very loud all we could hear was palace because they still don't understand that the tv companies put the mics in the away end 
because we sing naughty songs. I think that's really I think that's what I've heard. I mean, it's an absolute fact. But if you were there, if you were there, you know. I I thought it was really loud. Jonathan, you thought it was really loud. Yeah. But also that's why when they were singing, this is a library and your support is fucking shit and and Mourinho's right, your fans are shite. It was just absolutely absurd because they were they even started singing that when when there was a carefree going. It was it was it was uh, you know I normally get a very good. Uh, perspective on what's going on because I'm right in the middle, uh, uh, in the middle of the East Stand, and it was it was great. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even, uh, they were even fans singing in in Aussies in the East hell, mate. Yeah, that's hey, unheard of. Bloody hell, bloke started a carefree. Everybody everybody joined in. That's... I was taken aback. I didn't sing, of course, but they all did. Wow. Whenever whenever we do East Stand East Stand, give us a song, right? And you you always sing carefree. I always start one of. You've only got one song. You've only got one song, but that's fair I'm, enough. I'm fair enough. Uh, I think uh, that's the only song that many of them actually know. know. East stand, unfortunately. Jeffrey, whoever you may be, that one. <laughs> anyway, Martin, Martin, it was great, wasn't it? The atmosphere. Yeah, I've I've heard Palace at full blast. At I mean, they're pretty before. good, actually. Palace. They are. The they are very good. Although their ultras look like those Hungarian fucking right wing twats at Euro twenty twenty with all their black shirts in twenty degrees of heat. The stink, stink must have been something rotten in that end, I tell you. Um, but no, I, I've heard them at full blast at Stanford Bridge. I did not hear them on Saturday. And people are putting it on social media to, you know, provoke a reaction, blah, blah, blah. We know where the television mics are put. We know why they're put there because we use the word fuck in every other song. So <laughs> there's not a lot we can do about it. It was great, wasn't it, Marco? I mean, it, as you, you said a minute ago, actually, is what made me what made me think of it. It, they, it was at times it was ear splitting. Yeah, definitely, and um, you know, I think as it's already been said, it was kind of reverberating um, right around the ground. Uh, yeah, you just—I don't know—you you, just—it's incredible how easy it is to forget, and 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 also, I was actually thinking. Um, you know, I've spoken to quite a few people down the years who've been waiting to come to their first game at the bridge. Um, and then they come and they're completely blown away by what we're talking about now. Um, and I, and you know, and they go on about it or they would go on about it at the time after their first experience when loads of other people would be saying, well, the atmosphere is not very good and we need to get an atmosphere committee and all of those things. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, it was it was like the first time. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's a good, that's a really good point. That No, it was, it was brilliant. It's just lovely to be back. I really loved it. Okay, talking about the game. I mean, the first thing that struck me, and I mean, this is, you know, it's quite interesting, really, because I haven't actually been at a game for 18 months. I haven't actually seen a live football game. I haven't actually been able to see people running and the runs they make and the build-up. I've just seen what the flaming TV director allows me to see. And I was astonished, actually. I mean, I don't know whether it was because Chelsea were just especially good yesterday or that um, I've just not really seen how good they are under Tuchel, but just their energy and, and their pressing, they're, they're winning the ball back. I mean, they basically... I was, I was, you know, just going mad about this when I saw you after the game, J.K. Wasn't I? They just hunt the opposition down and they suffocate them. It's quite something to see, isn't it? 
but remarkable. In the flesh. You but know. but I, I have to say, I don't, if it was as basic as that, you know, I'm sure I'd say, oh, that's what they're doing. They're just getting the ball back as quickly as possible. But they, they do they do, do it as there's four or five players. The fitness required, yeah. the level of fitness to maintain that is absolutely brilliant. And I think everybody knows their role. So uh, they just step up to it. But yeah, there was, there was, they didn't get a single shot away, Palace, in the whole of the first half, and they couldn't get out of the area, out of the out of the half. They could hardly get out of their own penalty area. We were so good. We were so in control. I mean, once again, we're still slightly in that situation of not, you know, of of. Um, I'm afraid, Anna, we'll get onto this, but it, it's it's down to the the strike force, which obviously will change once Lukaku's playing. But this inability to get a shot off when the goal is gaping and when the goalkeeper isn't prepared is just something that is still holding us back. I mean, thank goodness we got a... I mean, they seem to treat... All they did, Palace, was foul in the in the in nearly all the game. That's they all no they could al- do. That's no all they could do. Absolutely. Yeah. No alternative. Yeah. Yeah. They're just yeah. constantly chopping everybody down. And Pulisic, although we don't think his touch is as great as it was, was playing that hazard role of constantly being kicked and, you know, legitimately... Um, fouls being given he didn't ever dive in any way whatsoever there were a couple of moments where the Palace fans weren't pleased and uh, and sarcastically applauded the uh, um, the ref when he gave them a foul but um, they had no alternative and uh, and then of course then that set up the the first goal for uh, for Alonso I mean the thing is I, I found I said to you you know what JK it reminds me of that what Diego Simeone said and I couldn't yeah, remember it was yeah. I dug the quote out Marco will like this after we beat Atletico in the Champions League, he said, you know, we tried to go and press them, but they were able to get out of it and we couldn't keep up with them. And I think that's what what I saw yesterday, well, Saturday even, in in the flesh. Just They just batter teams, kind of. It, it's, it's almost like... It's so intense what they do and they swarm around teams so much that it must be quite mentally disconcerting is is oh. what I would say because you've got nowhere to hide I think as a team Marco when you're playing playing against a team that can do that yeah I, I, I know it's not been said yet um, but I have to make reference to the fact that Palace were rubbish <laughs> I mean they, they really we all we kept saying young Dave was saying Palace are going down. Um, I mean, they, they really, I know they couldn't cope and we were swarming all over them, but they didn't really help themselves, in my humble opinion. Well, I'll tell you uh, what I would say, Marco, because we, we had uh, the lovely Chris Hamling on Friday night show to do the preview, and he's a, a big Palace fan, obviously. And he was very worried about what they were going to do in the midfield. And, and I think that's absolutely got proven right, because they, their midfield was almost non-existent. They've got a lot of, they've taken a lot of experience and yeah. nails out of that side. I mean, I'm looking at their lineup now, and just off the top of my head, Cahill, Van Anholt. I'm sure there's, they released loads of people over the summer, and I think I was on match of the day. They have this thing. So when they were doing the interviews, there was this like crawler along this showing how many players had left and joined, and it's like you just look at the players that left Palace. He's one. Fucking hell. <laughs> there was just loads of experience just went out the door. And, you know, it wasn't just the Matthew Harding lower that was in pieces and a little bit unfinished yesterday on Saturday afternoon, I think, because 
Um, Palace very much a work in progress. They were pretty poor yeah. Saturday. I don't necessarily think they'll go down because I think there are worse teams in the division. But um, yeah, they weren't great. Well, they'll, they'll have Conor Gallagher back next week, it, so that'll make that, a difference. That is true. I think he that, also wants to try and purchase a couple more players. So he was saying, yeah, that he hasn't quite Yo- got Joachim Anderson will probably come off, came off the bench in the second half. He'll he looked pretty start. good actually. He's, yeah, a he's, much, he's, yeah. he's good. He's much better than what he'll be. I reckon he had before, be absolutely. Game. And yeah, and they may not need to rely on that sulky prick Zaha so much. Yeah, well, he's <laughs> he's true to form again, isn't he? He must have he must have been in despair having survived the match with uh, with um, Aspie and uh, Chaloba down one side, thinking, "Oh, my luck will be in today." And of course, they had him in his pocket. And then Reese James, who's still probably got it in his pocket from the last two seasons, came on. You know, it must have been terrible for him. But I have no sympathy. Um, the other thing that I was really impressed about as a kind of an overview, because as, as, as JK will know, I was a bit kind of cautious on Friday because I thought, hmm, you know, winning the Super, League, uh, Super Cup, which is fantastic, uh, didn't half screw up Thomas Tuchel's uh, pre-season plans in terms of easing some of these players who came back late in gradually. And yet, I thought Mount and Jorginho, who would be two of those players, who've hardly had any pre-season at all, were just superb, I thought, on Saturday. I mean, in terms of energy. I mean, Jorginho, who, you know, can be a bit Marmite, but he, he played like he did for Italy, I thought. He was winning the ball back, chucking himself about, getting involved physically, and still doing, the, you know, the, the, a range of passing, which he's pretty good at. And, and Mount, Mount looked like Mount again, having not looked like Mount at all, really, in the Super Cup final uh, on, uh, on Wednesday, Martin, I thought. Yeah, I think there's... Um... I think they did conserve a little bit of energy in the in midweek anyway. They didn't exactly bust a gut in the second half and then in the extra time, Villarreal just played for penalties from the time. I think, I think the expression is blowing out their arse, isn't it? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they yeah they looked a bit a bit tired, but I think they, the players that weren't involved on Saturday played a friendly on Sunday, so they're trying to get minutes into them. I mean, Chilwell hasn't featured at all to my knowledge and he practically he basically had a working holiday in that England team he didn't play a, play a minute so that's weird that isn't it we were talking mm. about that JK wondering why why hasn't Chilwell figured so far because it's not as if he played any games in the summer you wonder whether Alonso's just uh, had the advantage of not doing anything other than train and play has just been streets ahead of him I mean Alonso was has been fabulous both well, he great yeah. Great in the Super Cup, and he was great on Saturday. I mean, really uh, phenomenal. And I'm not just, you know, saying that because I've got a man crush on him because of his hair. I'm hang just... on, hang on. I have a man crush on him because of his hair, and I know Marco does. So that's <laughs> that's all three of us then. There. Can I just say there was a a very interesting thing. There was a, a lesser spotted Jorginho chant that we hadn't seen for ooh, ooh. Or for some time. There was a Jorginho, 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 and I thought, I bet. Lots of those people are the same people who were telling him to fuck off last season. That's or not a new that. chant. That's an old Jorginho chant. No, 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 no. I know it's old. I'm just saying it was lesser spotted in that it hasn't been seen for some time. It's been it's been hiding away in its nest. Oh. It was just because he's uh, he's reinvented himself. Well, I, I think. I mean, you know, let's have it right. I think since Tuchel's come in, and I mean, this is an interesting thing. I mean, I didn't, I haven't put this in the script because. I didn't think of it basically, but maybe it's something to explore in greater depth on a show, another show, sometime soon. But the I, you know, and actually it fits in very well what I do want to speak about, which is which is exactly what you've been saying, how good Alonso is, but how good Tuchel has been 
in making players better at this club. Rudiger, a classic example. I think he's been... I mean, Jorginho under Tuchel has basically been brilliant. There's been very few games when, when I've been able to level my usual accusations at him that he can't tackle, he can't run and he doesn't pass forwards. You know, he's been really integral to how Tuchel's played and he's done all right. And then Marcus Alonso. I mean... I don't know how he does it. I mean, I, I agree with you, JK. I, I, he was my man of the match on Wednesday. Maybe Chaloba edged him out. And again, on Saturday, and again, maybe Chaloba edged him out. But I thought he was absolutely brilliant. He's now scored 22 goals and 27... Sorry, 127 appearances for Chelsea. He scored... That's better than Torres, by the way. He's got more goals. Yeah, that's better than <laughs> Torres. He's got more goals than any other Premier League defender over the last five years. Um, the breakdown is in 16, 17, 31 games, six goals, 17, 18, 33 games, seven goals, 18, 19, 31 games, two goals, 19, 20, 18 games, four goals, 20, 21, 13 games, two goals, 21, 22, one game, one goal. I mean, and yet he and Frank, he and, um, and well, Frank uh, bend him off. Yeah, exactly. Frank bend him off as, as he did with Rudiger. Yeah. Very, very odd. Marco, you're clever. Explain. <laughs> Oh, I, I, I'm just, I was just thinking back, actually, um, to to uh, when, when um, Alex Goldberg made his debut uh, to the world on his way to domination um, with with a long slow or whatever it was and started a movement to, to get Marcos out of the club. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like from that point on, um, every time he got picked... There'd be sections of uh, social media, oh, Alonso, no, no, no. And then um, kind of Frank wanted him out, didn't he? Um, well, that's because of what happened at West Brom when he had a salt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got um, to say as well from the Krasnodar game where fans were let back in, um, he was warming up at half time because I'm guessing the dressing room restrictions meant you couldn't have all the subs in. So him and he was out there basically... <laughs> I could have warmed up with more intensity sat in, <laughs> sat in the West Lower. He was just basically he was jogging around. I think he was just trying to half volley random footballs that would have been crossfield balls. There was no focus to it. He just looked like a guy marking time. So, yeah. But he was, he was think, used think... as a make weight, according to uh, Twitter, wasn't he, for um, for buying this Kunde? He's been used as a. They, they said <laughs> that he, on, on several occasions, they said, what was it? Marcus Alonso wasn't training because he was in Spain for this. Um, for the for the transfer as uh, and and of course that was complete crap because then he appeared on the training pitch and then he was a substitute and then he was playing so once again that was all made up but well, uh, well it's all gone very quiet on Jules Kunde ever since the emergence of clever Trevor so well, well there I think, we go I think what's hilarious there is all the all the all the clever kids on Twitter were tweeting on Saturday I was reading on my way home on the train. Um, Oh, we don't need Kunde now. Um, we've got we've got Trevor Chalabar, and the week before they were saying we've got to sign Kunde. We've got no chance of winning anything. <laughs> yeah, no, no. What you do is you find the tweet where they've done that screenshot and reply back with "this you, mate," and then yeah. screw- <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll set up our own bad Chelsea takes Twitter thing. But uh, no, I mean, just, I think it's just I love I love to see it. Actually, I've always had a soft spot for Marcus Alonso. Anybody who can wind Spurs up. Uh, with the uh, regularity that he does and score against them, gets my he vote. He has scored some cracking and goals. He scored some cra- he really well, has, over I, I, his career. 
absolutely phenomenal series of strikes. Yeah. He's, you know, well, you've, I've got said, to, you've got to appreciate him for that alone. Yeah, you know? definitely. I mean, I've said it on here time and time again. I think he's probably technically one of the best players that we've got. His, his left foot is a wand. I mean, it's not just the fact that he can cross and he can shoot. And he's got correct technical ability in putting the ball in the back of the net. Watching him again live, you're reminded again how how brilliantly adept he is at getting out of trouble on that left-hand side. You know, he very rarely loses the ball. And if he does, he gets it back. He's, I think he's a super player. And, I'm, you know, I think Ben Chilwell, on current form, is going to find it hard to break in. I thought, And I thought that's really what started this conversation. I thought it was really interesting that Emerson came on. And I don't, I don't, I'm not sure Chilwell was even on the bench, was he? Oh, think, sure. Yeah. Pass, I think I there's, um, there's a lot of... Uh... As ever, there are a lot of games, aren't there? So I think there's scope for both of those guys. Yeah, yeah, and there will be games where Chilwell is more effective when teams push forward yeah. against Lars Palace and Villarreal, who were sat back. Alonso yeah. had the freedom. He is a game. better defender than Alonso, but I thought Alonso did pretty well defensively as well. But as you say, Palace weren't weren't great. Zahar isn't the player he was, which is... Uh, but, but if you've uh, got Rudiger covering, you know, it, yeah, yeah. if they work as a team, I mean, I, I, I mean, one of the things that I we, we slated Alonso for, I always remember that when Son rinsed him up at uh, White Hart Lane. Jogged back, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but if you've got them working as a team and, and somebody's covering for him, I mean, that's the point, you know, play to your strengths and, and, and tighten up your weaknesses. You know, Alonso will never be quick. He's not going to fly up and down there. But the things he does well, he does better than any, anybody else in the team, I think. So there we go. Anyway, uh, Martin's reminded me of this brilliantly. And if, if, we, if we're if we not singing Knock Me Down With A Feather, Clever Trevor, uh, at the next match that Trevor Chaloba plays, then we're doing it all wrong. I'm that sure. is a great, great this, this, Yeah, The OH at the end of his name, I think I tweeted it. I can't say his name without lapsing into a yeah. terrible Mancunian accent. Trevor. 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 But uh, in homage to Ian Jury, I loved Ian Jury, but that would be that would be a perfect song for Trevor, wouldn't it? Knock me down with a feather. Clever Trevor. I think that was the, the show title you, you omitted. <laughs> no, it had to be about coming home, Martin, but uh, I, I was it, thinking... What, what is this discussion about the Tuchel song that um, and the Lukaku song that took place on Twitter? I don't know what I'm supposed to be singing. Well, I, I, I was, was going to be primed. Was well, it Agadu? Well, Paulie, Paulie put a tweet out which, which had a, a link. I didn't see the YouTube thing, actually, because I was busy, but... I, I copied you in and I thought you might have a look at it. But Mark Mark did put on our WhatsApp group, bloody ag, not bloody agadoo, which and he used that clip of, uh, oh Christ, I'm having a Jimmy Alfieda's aim pair. That's it. Jimmy that's it, Martin. Aga so, bloody do. I don't know, but I think I think my my legendary Tommy Tuchel Kraftwerk homage has uh, never really had a chance to get going because none of us were there and, and people said, oh, we should have a song for Tuchel and there were some lovely people on there like Brian defending me saying, oh, but she's just done one so, you know, shut up. But I think, I, you know, I don't need the ad- adulation or the accolation or whatever it is anyway. Right, we need to talk about Trevo because he was brilliant again. I mean, as I said, arguably man of the match, possibly with Alonso in the Super Cup and then again uh, on Saturday. Um, I won't bore you with the the, the statistics um, because you know we all know that there are lies, damn lies, and there are statistics. Let's focus on the brilliant thing that he did with that. I mean, you know, I think I said this to the London is Blue boys. You know, I mean, Trevo first time he gets into that kind of space, 
has a pop, scores an absolute worldy goal. How many times have we seen Rudiger do that for us and sky it over? Can I just say something? Yes. I predicted Trevor would score. You did not. Did you put money on it? And I backed him at 10 to 1. And you can find evidence of that on Twitter. Marvellous. How Um, much did you win? 100 pounds. Yes. Superb, Marco. Well done, Marco. I like that. I like that a lot. Good boy. Oh, obviously, obviously, setting the benchmark there for a, an immediate fail in the next game. <laughs> that was a good start to the season, mate. That cannot be argued yeah, with. Bad. But I mean, you know, Rudiger pops it off all the time. Never gets anywhere near it. Trevo does it with his first shot. But I mean, the thing about that was the the. I mean, as I said earlier on, I mean, the crowd went. The roof came off when that went in. But he he he, you know, knelt down and was in tears. I mean, what a wonderful emotional moment, J.K. Oh, wasn't it? Were you blubbing I filled, too? I filled up. I thought you might. I did. I thought, and I, I went, oh, no, oh, how wonderful. And it was also the joy of the team embracing him was yeah. also contributed even more to my uh, my inner turmoil. Yeah, it was and right a- down in front of us, Chidge, almost. Yeah, yeah, absolutely was, wasn't it? Yeah, we had a good view of that. It was a great moment, a great, great moment. I felt for him and also... The very fact, if you think about it, you know, he's been playing for the club since he was eight. And with and there's that wonderful picture on Twitter of him and Mason Mount together. And he's never scored. And it was he's obviously, obviously never scored. He's never played in the first team before for a whole Premier League game. So to score on his, his Premier League debut, um, uh, it must be such a great experience for him. No wonder he was overcome. But no wonder the team appreciated it as well. And it's that continuity that... Uh, coming from the academy can create that is so uh, can be so wonderful watching and you and as a supporter if you're aware of this fact it, it actually um it enhances your appreciation of the team to know that there are there are people playing who there are players who've been playing together since they were kids and they've come through to the first team and have become elite players is huge testimony to the excellence of the academy my goodness me yeah well it's i mean it's fa- i mean he's by the way I, I i spoke to the lovely paul carter who does the uh the history of stamford bridge uh website and uh trevo is the 24th player chelsea player to score on their uh premier league debut the 24th player but i fact that, that i've got an even better one for you he's got a list on his website Oh, oh, here we go. It's God, it's really small on my phone. But he is now also the 96th player to score on their debut for Chelsea. So there we go. Amazing stuff. I bet you're all really impressed by that that stat. I am. Um, but, <laughs> you know, look, the thing that struck me about this, though, I, you know, look, I, I don't ever claim to, to really follow what's going on with the youth too much because there are so many other brilliant people who do I mean like Scotty you know Chelsea youth and all of those kind of people but hands up any of you who thought or expected Trevo Chaloba to be playing the Premier League match on Saturday because my 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 feeling is he's pretty much come from nowhere he's been out on loan what three or four times Mark Gahey Ficayo Tomori were with a were supposed to be the next in line but of course they've gone I, I really, I mean, it feels like he's come out of nowhere, Martin. I mean, would that be true? Um, I can't claim to be following his career that much. But I would say that one thing that could have worked in his advantage is that his last loan was in France. He played for a team called Lorient. Lorient, yeah. For, for the season. 
They'd I always thought up. that was late and Orient abbreviated. I have already taken the piss out of a late and Orient fan at work for that saying, <laughs> what, the fuck, what the fuck are you doing playing in France, you shit in England? Um, <laughs> um, but he got loaned out there. They'd just been promoted from the second tier and stayed up relatively comfortably. I believe he was featured in that team quite significantly as a midfielder, I believe, but I could be wrong on that. But, you know, he's in France for a season. When I, Thomas Tuchel got sacked at Christmas, he sure would have had maybe ha- had an awareness of him that certainly we wouldn't have done. And I say a lot of pundits and coaches in this country may, may not have either. That may have worked in his advantage, but I'm not going to try and claim that I had, had him starting the first two games of the season that, you know, he'd be ahead of Gray and Samori. Is there a, a, a possibility that the reason that Tomori and Gay were let go is because they were av- aware of him being uh, a possible substitute all the way through this? Because it's something that we don't know anything about, of course. I, I was just going to say, on, on, based on what you've just said, JK, there was, of course, that remarkable story that um, Kepper and Edouard Mendy and Tuchel had been hatching um, a penalty shootout plot for six months, which which nobody knew about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, why not? Who knows? I mean, at the end of the day, Tuchel's quite single-minded in terms of um, the players that he's brought in from the cold, players that he's let go and sanctioned to be sold, and a player like um, Trevor, who... Uh, is playing in the first team now. So I think I think he's had it all worked out for quite a while. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Marco. I, I and I mean we haven't well, we kind of have we have seen where I think he wants to go, haven't we? And you're right, he's very, very determined in, in terms of who he thinks will be a good player for him and who he doesn't think or doesn't rate at all. Because I mean, the club seem to be very, very or trying quite hard to get rid of the people that we've been saying they should have got rid of a long time ago. Drinkwater, Zappacosta, Barkley, Kennedy and uh, uh, and Bakayoko, of course, very much amongst them. So I think we're beginning to see Tuchel stamp his, his, his mark on, on who he wants and who he doesn't want. I mean, obviously what's happened is Chaloba was, was, you know, started pre-season right from the get-go and has, has really impressed. And I think Tuchel's, you know, as good as his word. If he thinks you're good enough, he'll play you. I think I think that this has actually much bigger ramifications than 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 what we might be thinking about, if you see what I mean. Because, you know, with Gehi and Tamori going, Liveramento going as well, a few other of the youngsters going, well, I don't think we're going to get in with Tuchel and we, we all better piss off. What we really, really needed was to see an academy player break through that we didn't expect and we really needed it to, to be to happen under Tuchel because what that does to you know we now know Tuchel will play kids from the academy if he thinks they're good enough so maybe it's really I mean you know maybe in its way Chaloba playing on Saturday and scoring a goal could be actually as well it could be as important as Mount and uh, James and Abraham and Tamori 
breaking through under Frank. In fact, this could be more important because in a way, I think we were all thinking, oh, well, there you go. That'll be the door shut on the youth because we're going to buy more expensive players. Tuchel's a, a very kind of elite manager, so maybe this won't happen. I think, I think you know, Trevo breaking through could be massive. I really, really do. And God what happens if he's, What happens if he's out on loan next week? Will there be egg on our faces? Well, I'll look like a dick, but mate, I'll live with it because it wouldn't be the first time, let's be honest, you know. That's that's the joy of doing this kind of thing. You don't half make yourself look stupid very quickly. You know? I mean, we, ne- we never quite know whether these players are in a shot window or actually properly breaking through, well, but it won't do his career any harm. And if you, you know, if we, he'll always have that moment, but we'll see. I mean, you know, we only really need one or two from the academy to break through per season, and it 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 avoids this issue we've had for years of spending money on shit and yeah. being allowed to concentrate the funds on genuine transformative world class players. Like, like even if they just become squad players, it it becomes so important rather than buying squad players, which just exactly whole thing yeah. absolutely. Well, that's that's where the wheels fell off and it all that's went wrong, and we're still absolutely. paying for it now, aren't we? The, dr- the drink waters and the zappacostas yeah. of this world. Yeah. Never we again. Just, we have just signed Mitchie Batshuayi to another contract to fucking loan him out. I mean, you're fucking joking. I wish I was. <laughs> Can't I'm... we just give him away? You know, buy I one don't... get seven free or something. <laughs> no, I think if you stick him in, in the front of a bloody supermarket, no one will take him. It's ridiculous. He's it gone, is. I think he's going, he's going to a Turkish team now, and it's just like that's where your career goes to. Um, but we're well. still fucking paying him. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely. It's in, well. I, I mean, you know, frankly, whoever whoever it was who was responsible for signing those dead weights, that the, the you know dead dead weight squad players. Don't speak badly of Marina. It might not have been Marina. <laughs> it might not have been Marina because Marina's only been in charge of transfers directly since two thousand and fourteen fifteen, I believe. So she, I think it was Marina. Mishy's not, right. Mishy's not been there that long, has he? Surely. No, no, she's been so there longer. He's been there since 2016. Okay, so maybe it was. I don't care. The bottom line is is that that was appalling, appalling business, and we're still paying for it now. I mean, they, they were rubbish. They were proven to be rubbish, and they blocked a lot of talented, potentially talented youth players who could have been doing a better job. And, I mean, thank God for the transfer ban that, that we actually managed to get some of these kids through. But, as I said, you know, I think... If Chaloba does really make it this season under Tuchel, I think that's that's a massive, massive thing. Anyway, uh, we're going to have a quick break, uh, and then we're going to go back with... Well, that was a very long part one, but we're going to come back with part two where we're going to talk a little bit of uh, more kind of general things. Obviously, we're going to talk about Lukaku and, and Tammy as well. Uh, but before we do that... Uh, I am absolutely delighted to announce, as I said earlier on, that the CFC UK stall is now reopened for business with the wonderfully friendly uh, Marco Worrell sitting there to welcome you and uh, DJ fretting about as as ever. But it, it is the place to go on a Saturday before a game or a Sunday before a game or even a Wednesday night before a game. But of course, the important thing is it means that you can get a copy of everyone's favourite fanzine in person on a match day opposite Fulham Broadway. But um, you can also subscribe to CFC UK by doing the following. I mean, basically, the cost to UK residents for subscription, which is a minimum of 10 issues, is £16. Individual copies will cost £2. Payment will be accepted by using PayPal and sending £16 to fanzine at cfcuk.net. If you live in Europe, the cost is £35, whilst the cost to those of you in the rest of the world is £45. 
Digital subscriptions are also available and they will be emailed in PDF format and that costs £6 a season whilst the cost of individual issues will remain only a pound. And uh, for those living abroad, it's actually cheaper to receive the digital version uh, because obviously postal costs are somewhat prohibitive. And uh, all Dave needs is your full address details for the hard copy version or your preferred email address if you want a PDF one. Any inquiries, please email fanzine at cfcuk.net. Marco. You know, I was just going to say, it's hilarious that um, obviously the, the CFC UK stall being uh, very Luddite and cash only. Um, I'm pretty certain Saturday was the first time I'd handled a one pound coin um, since, <laughs> since March the 8th, 2020. <laughs> Which was the last time was at the CFC UK store. Well, even to release supermarket trolleys. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised you haven't got Apple Pay on the store yet, Mark. Honestly, come well, on. Well, I, I, I did say, um, depending on how it went, I might invest in one of these little card reader things. Um, but I think I'll wait another game. <laughs> well, the thing is that everybody's gone, gone cashless because of COVID. So you just need one of those little Apple little little apple pay boxes and everybody's so used to waving their card you know boom you know a bit like an oyster card so maybe that's a thought anyway we will be back after this short break real fans real opinions i'm jason cundy and you're listening to chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, our first proper Monday Chelsea Fancast. I'd say really proper one since March, you know, 2020, but... Uh, I know we've done a few since then. It's lovely to be back. And uh, I'm Stanford Chidge, of course, and I'm joined as ever by Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Lovely to be here with it's such esteemed company. Yes, which is, of course, the lovely Marco Worrell. Buonasera. There we go. And uh, we've got an A-star cast tonight because we've got, uh, rounding it all up for us, Mr. Martin Wickham. Good evening. There we go. Lovely to see you, boys, as ever. Um, right, the one thing that, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't sure about... Uh, coming away from the game on Saturday and I think a lot of this was you know it's just so different watching watching the games live when you see everything that's going on and not what you see on the TV but I, I was I don't quite know where I sit on this because it, it, it could be fueled by my disappointment really that he's not started this season you know like the player we want him to be and I'm talking about Timo Werner here because I, I thought I thought his touch was rotten again and I thought he goes down blind alleys a lot and I think some of his runs were just clueless and and I and I'm I maybe I, I feel like I'm, I sound really harsh but I think it, a lot of it is I just thought you know what come back this season fresh leave last season behind and and just be this player that we're, we're told that you are and I, and I didn't really see anything different from last season so I was a bit disappointed in Timo I love him I mean he, he runs around like a little terrier on PCP I mean you can't not love him he tries but I just was a bit mm, about that, and I and I'm really worried about Pulisic, who, who I don't who I don't think had a bad game. I mean, he scored a goal, um, he made some good runs where he got some really important free kicks, but he still to me doesn't look like 
the player that we had before uh, he got injured in that FA Cup final when I thought he was probably our best player that season. And he, he just looked like the kind of player that could terrorise defences. I mean, he did against Liverpool, if you remember, when we lost up there. You know, he just doesn't look... He, that The player that we saw then has not reappeared thus far. And I know, I know it's early days, it's just one game, but I just wanted to put it out there and see if I am absolutely insane or if I'm actually barking up the right tree. Martin, you first. Um, Werner was a strange one because he just had this annoying habit of running into the left channel when he was supposed to be the target man in the middle for this game. And he'd do that and there'd be no one in the middle and ball goes out of play, cannons off a defender or whatever. And he kept doing that. His first touch was occasionally passing it when he was attempting to trap it. He looked a little bit, a little bit off the pace, but I'm not too concerned yet because I want to see how things shape up when Romelu Lukaku starts. Because I think that may give him a little bit of purpose. I think it will take a lot of pressure off of him because he will no longer have the big fat price tag in front of him. And it Mm. may free him up to do a bit more with, you know, Lukaku being a bit more of a reference point in the middle. Pulisic, I I wasn't really, I'll be honest, I wasn't really thinking. My main concern with him was the fact that he got the shit kicked out of him on Saturday. I thought, um, I thought it was lively. Occasionally forgets to pass when he ought to, but that's, been a part of his game for as long as I can remember. I would like to see him back to that form and well, project restart really, wasn't it? It was that period after the season 1920 resumed. And it because Frank played differently that gave him more space, do you think? I'm just I trying to don't know. I, I, I personally thought the water breaks in that period meant he was playing a four-quarter game, so he felt more at home. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shout. <laughs> but he, he, he did he did look much more confident and then he did get a really, really shitty injury at the worst possible time. He did. Well, I, I wondered if that's playing on his mind, Martin. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, if you're getting walloped to fuck all the time, it's going to play on your mind. Yeah. But got, he has actually, you know, he has sacrificed himself for the team quite a few times. The one that springs to mind are those wankers at Porto last season using his shins for target practice. I think so, he plays him. Doesn't doesn't he play him too? Called slightly more centrally. But he was he was on Saturday. He was de facto was. the centre. He was like the false Absolutely. number nine, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. He was the false nine. I have to say, when Havertz came on, he looked very classy, um, silky uh, smooth. Yeah, very silky smooth. I mean, my um, the problem with Werner, I think we had the same thing with Morata, was that they played very well when they first played for the club, and it's almost as if you can see an example of what they should be achieving. So, what has happened? mentally to him that's caused him to become a, a, a modern Kesman to me. And I, and I, I fear that this joy of, of trying to get behind him and, and, you know, shouting his name all the time has great comparisons with Kesman who never, ever produced it. And yet we were all keen on this, you know, his effort. We're all going, ah, he's having a go, isn't he? Well, but it, unfortunately it's not about having a go. It's about being an elite footballer. And, uh, and I, I, I'm the comparison with when he first came to the club and he hit the target and he ran on. You thought there's a great player, which we have with Werner, um, uh, as we have with Morata. And what we have now is this strange, um, as you say, it, it's like watching Sean Wright Phillips. The ball hits his shins and he wanders off and he just runs after it. It's, uh, it, it's, it, it's. It, we thought that there would be pre-season he might relax and then get back to playing as he had, but. Um, 
he just comes across to me as being clueless on well, so many. Uh, you, you know, I, I'm going to take you back to something that Nigel Spackman told us a long time ago now, um, that and Martin alluded to a minute ago actually, which is you know at Dortmund Werner Werner was much better playing yeah. off a big guy and and Spackers yeah. Spackers at the time I mean this is six months ago when he told Mark he said you wait he said if we get a decent striker next season and at the, at the time he thought it might be Haaland but Lukaku I think can do the same <clears> job <throat> you'll see you'll see Werner play in his natural position and I and I do think that perhaps the weight of expectation that we'll be oh, taken off we, them, yeah. We, yeah we've bought Werner to be the out and out goal scorer and maybe although he scored a lot of goals uh, for for Leipzig, you know that's that's really not him. He's he, he as Kepler says on 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 Mixler actually. It's a really good point. Werner causes chaos in defenses, and he does, but he does it from a wide position, you know. So I think it, you know, let's see, let's see what happens when Lukaku turns up. But of course, if Lukaku is the focal point and people are worrying about Lukaku, that'll give him much more space yeah. and much more opportunity. Who and drops he, out, J.K. Ah. Uh, Indeed. Well, what, what what style does he play? Does he do we do, do we change it? Is it just the one? Is it four two three one again? What is it? How does it work? Well, that's way? a good. I mean, I've got that in in the list to talk about because I'm I'm intrigued by this because if you think about it, you you know Lukaku's going to start pretty much as many games as as is humanly possible. So so you've got Lukaku and then you've got a whole uh, coterie of players who all play in broadly similar positions and can do broadly similar things. So you've got Werner and Havertz, Pulisic, Mount, Ziyech when he's back fit, and potentially Hudson-Odoi as well. So that's six players. If you play 4-2-3-1, you've got three three out of six. If you play 3-4-3, which is what he is playing, it's two out of six. So he's got a... I mean, it's a good headache to have, but he's got a headache. And I do wonder... Whether we're going to see, well, as I'm asking you boys, really, are we going to see a formation change? Uh, and if we do have a formation change, then who gets in? Who's going to who's going to grab that? Martin, you're pondering it, and you are you are. No, there is there is actually written evidence. <laughs> there is written evidence, and I will go into this in part three that you are without doubt the cleverest of all of us. So I'm going to ask you first. That's absolute bollocks. Um... <laughs> There's proof, mate. There's proof. Uh, yeah, first game of the season. Let's leave it there. Um, I. Don't know about formation change. I wouldn't like to see one because the switch to three at the back has just locked us up to so solidly at the back that totally. we cannot compromise that under any circumstances. And I, you know, I can't see two doing that. So it's three four three then. I think three four three. Now, if you assume Lukaku's the plays pretty much every game except the Carabao Cup because they've paid ninety seven million quid for him, so they've got to get he's got to play those games. Then I'd, I would imagine there's going to be a lot of rotating and you know cycling players out. I mean, there's a lot of games this season, so they will get chances. And I think we maybe need to condition ourselves to it and not expect to have like the same eleven for every single game. We will see, you know, Werner left, Pavertz right. Some games you could say, you know, Mount may drop back, play right. There's going to be a lot of a lot of things to consider, and a lot of it will be based on opponents as well, because you know, where where teams sit back, you have to play different players in the midfield to get chances where they push up, and we can do them on the counter. That's good. we're going to need faster players in there. So, I 
can't, I can't predict what's going to happen with team selection, but I would really hope that three of the back stays put because it's just made everything a lot more calm, shall we say. No, <laughs> no, you're no longer having a fucking minor panic attack every time an opponent breaks the halfway line anymore. So well, The one thing that's not broken this team under Tuchel is the defence, and he got that sorted out, and, and the stats bear it out. I mean, I think our, our, we, we leaked as many goals as, as City, or as few goals as City, depending on which way you want to turn it. But uh, what we what we didn't do, I mean, we were 25 goals behind City from last season. So if you can get a striker who can score 20 plus goals and still not leak many, then you're going to be there or thereabouts. I, I, the, the other, I think there's an, another issue here, which is, you know, Tammy's gone um, and we'll, we'll give him his, you know, uh, lovely send off in a minute. But with Tammy gone, I would say technically, and Lukaku coming, okay, you've lost Tammy, you lost Giroud, you've brought in Lukaku. Technically, we've only got one out and out striker which I think leaves us a bit light. So perhaps Tuchel is going down the, well, I've got an out-and-out striker who can do this in Lukaku, and then I've got Havertz who can do a job, and, and perhaps even Werner stroke Pulisic. So maybe that's how he's looking at it, which takes my you know, six-player idea going into two or three a little bit different, because maybe you've got three uh, strikers in, in Tuchel's head, and that would leave, what, four kind of creative players around that so maybe the maybe the equation is not as, as difficult as I, as, as I was saying but I do wonder if we're a bit light in what I would call the all-out striker department Marco um I'm I'm, I'm not too sure in, in just in terms of the way that um Tuchel sets up I mean you know we kind of won the Champions League final um without you know, utilising a striker. I mean, I look at Havertz, you know, he, he's a big guy. And, um, you know, if, if even if, if Tuchel wanted to really upset a few teams and play with those two, with Havertz and Lukaku as, as twin strikers, that would be um, fiendish to watch. But, you know, I, I can just see Lukaku's one of those players who, plays a lot of games every season, which is what you want from a big striker. And I I, I can see Havertz, you know, getting a game regularly um, on, on one side of him. And then it depends for me whether, you know, Mount drops behind that or plays on the other side. Um, and I think where I, I don't see a, back, a place for a backup striker, um, you know, I think there's... Players like Werner, um, Hudson-Odoi, Pulisic, uh, potentially, you know, are, are going to be scrapping for to get off the bench for most games. Um, you know, uh, it depends. I mean, Tuchel does mix it up a bit. So that kind of, you know, he, is, he does have that Guardiola-like quality to him in terms of... Um, never quite giving the game away from a selection point of view. But I just think Lukaku's, as Martin said, he's going to be there. Unless he, unless something's wrong with him, he's going to be starting every game bar, bar the League Cup games, I think, and yeah. the early maybe the early rounds of the, of the Champions League. Yeah, I think you might be right there. I mean, the other thing that I've thought about, JK, which, you know, we, we've, we've talked about a bit before... Um, because I think, you know, if if you think about it, I think we've got, okay, 
if, if if one assumes what we've all said is true, which is that he sees Havertz, stroke Pulisic, stroke Werner as backup strikers to Romelu Lukaku, we're okay in that part of the pitch, and we're okay defensively. We've got lots of options in defence. We've got lots of options at kind of wing back positions as well. I think the one area we're really light on is defensive midfield because you've got Jorginho, you've got Kovacic and you've got Kante. Now, clearly you can only play any two of those three all the time. But we've seen how... I think we're going to see this increasingly that we're going to have to wrap Kante in cotton wool. You know, and I I wouldn't be averse to Kante coming out for just the big games this season because he's such a big game player. But that just means if you get one injury... I mean, you know, I I I can see it where... Both, you know, Kante and Kovacic are injured or Jorginho and Kante are injured. And who do we put in midfield? Now, I know Christensen and James and even Chaloba are an option. But I I wonder about bringing Mount Mount back into that too as a much more aggressive box-to-box midfield player, which I'm sure he's capable of doing. His range of passing, his tackling, he can do it. Didn't he do it in one game last season? It didn't work, did it? It didn't work. Who was he playing with? Uh, Jorginho. Jorginho, I was about to say it was Jorginho, wasn't it? It didn't work with him. Um, but uh, but it would work with Kante. When you, about three weeks ago, um, Tuchel said they were scouting a midfielder in one of his press conference, one of his interviews, uh, and he said everybody wanted to play for Chelsea, so he thought there wouldn't be a problem getting getting one. So because they've won the Champions League, which is um, um, something that I wish some of the people on Twitter would appreciate, that the, the club is very attractive to lots of players because they, they're the best team in Europe. Um, but uh, uh, so I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if they end up with two midfielders. If he wants to get somebody who's a defensive midfielder, I think what Tuchel meant was they're looking for a creative midfielder, somebody who can actually shoot from the edge of the area because uh, that would be an added bonus to somebody who can actually score because Kovacic, you know, bless his cotton socks, though... Um, does everything that um, that Tuchel wants of him, and is a uh, is a bright he's a bright, intelligent footballer because he he plays the roles he plays the role required, and has that brilliant ability of of getting the ball out of situations where you think you can't possibly get free here, and creates space and sets attacks up. Um, it it it, it I, then there for me there could possibly be um, uh, uh, space for somebody who just shoots and scores that would be uh, and, and it's also creative having said that said that Jorginho obviously is a very creative midfielder but he's he isn't a great um um hasn't got a great shot so uh and Mount needs this season to um to step up and, uh, and improve his shooting because there were times last season where he'd get into very good positions and blast over um but you know I, I so I suspect some activity in the in the transfer market will take place and I don't think it'll be centre half and I don't think it'll be another striker as you said I think there are I think he's happy with everybody he's got playing up front I think it'll be in the midfield <clears throat> it might be that Chuamani bloke Martin you, you you know much about him uh Fried not I'm no. always I'm a little bit leery of signing midfielders from didn't Monaco you even now. see whoever he plays for play last season yeah it was Monaco I remember, I remember the I remember the last twat we signed from fucking Monaco <laughs> who played in midfield <laughs> so oh, we still no. like we still can't oh, get rid no. of him <laughs> bloody backy Never again. That got changed to always gives the ball away, doesn't didn't it? Bless his little heart. So yeah, I mean it's interesting, isn't it? I mean 
Yeah, I, 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 I kind of hope that that's what they do because I do think I do think we're potentially light in in kind of <clears throat> let's call it central midfield for sake of argument because uh, I mean with Billy Gilmore going out on loan, it's just Jorginho, Kovacic, and Kante, and I'm worried about you know already you know Kante's missed a game because he's 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 injured so. I, I think we're going to see more of that. I, I, as I said, I would wrap him in cotton wool, wheel him out for the big games, because he's. I mean, he is. He is such. He is our best player. He is world. Our only genuinely world class player, and he's a massive big game player. You know, and uh, I, I should weep buckets the day he finally calls it a day at Chelsea because he's he's just been brilliant for us. Um, right, I kind of didn't weep buckets, but I am. I am. You know, I am very sad actually that. That Tammy Abraham uh, has, you know, realised that he's got not got much option but to bugger off. Particularly now Lukaku has come in, and of course it's uh, pretty much a done deal that he's going to go to Roma for about forty million euros. Uh, apparently, we have a buyback clause, uh, which I don't think can come into force until twenty twenty three of something like sixty eight million euros. I could be wrong on the on the on the numbers on that, but there's definitely a buyback clause, which does please me. Because I, I, I mean, I don't. I mean, Marco. I think you and I feel quite the same about this. I, I, I think there's a bloody good player in there, and I just think he's been a victim of Chelsea-ness that he hasn't been really been able to get the time he probably needs to prove that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there was kind of that element of um, you know wastefulness about him, but then you know you look at you look at Werner. Um, I, I think. I think if Tammy had had the game time that Tuchel was either told to give Werner or, or decided to give his fellow countrymen or, or saw something that nobody else really saw in terms of, um, you know, what he did on the pitch, apart from what he was paid to do, which was put the ball in the net. Um, it's just a shame. I, th- I think he's, you know, been a kind of a, a victim of circumstance slightly. Um you know, and I think his record when he was learning his trade on loan spoke for itself. People said, yeah, but it was the championship and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we kind of saw all that with um, Lukaku when uh, he went through various loans, you know, albeit that, you know, West Brom and Everton was in the Premier League, but he, he put the, the ball in the net and he used the finished article you know, as a result of that, and you know, there we are paying paying the best part of a hundred million to get him back after all that time. So, I think, you know, clearly we've got the finished article in Lukaku, so he's going to do the business for Chelsea, and that's what we want. And I would love it. I would love it. Love it. I would love it. Love um, it. Love <laughs> it if he beats him. No, but I, I really, really, really want Tammy Abraham to make. A rip roaring success of um, his his time in Italy, and you know, uh, just achieve what what he what he's, in my opinion, earmarked to do, which is be a successful striker. Yeah. I do find a slight irony in Jose Mourinho paying big fucking money for the type of Chelsea youth product he would sooner die in a ditch and have played when he was the Chelsea manager that 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 does amuse me greatly um uh yeah I wish him every success in Italy he will I think he will be um 
with regards to, you know, oh, there were only championship goals. Well, he didn't do Ollie Watkins any harm, did it? So, you know, I think that there's been a lot of football snobbery about the goals he scored on loan. And let's let's be quite truthful. He did all right. He did a bloody good job at Chelsea. Yeah. Top it scorer was, for the last was, two seasons, Martin. It was unfortunate that um he was jettisoned in favour in favour of the guy with the price tag. I think that's a little, we're seeing it a little bit now with Lukaku. He will get chances now that it could be argued he did not get 10 years ago when he joined Chelsea on a was it 18 million or whatever it was. And he, he was, obviously there were players in front of him, but he still wasn't given a fair crack at a whip when he first joined. He will now get that because solely they've just splashed a lot of money on him. I you know, debate amongst yourselves whether you think that's the, you know, the right or the wrong approach to things, but that seems to be the cold fact. Well, I, I think, you know, with, with a bit of, uh, you know, perspective, one hopes, certainly, spending spending 100 million quid on uh, Lukaku and with the reputation that he now brings with him, that he, he is the striker that we need who can score 20-plus goals a season. And, I, and we all know, hand on heart, that, that, that Tammy Abram is not that striker yet. And that's Chelsea. You know, we need that striker now. So if he's not that striker yet, then he either sticks around, you know, on the bench for a year or two, or, or he takes his chances somewhere else. So I, I don't have, any, I don't have any problem with him doing that. But I yeah, it's not, it's not so much with Tammy. I'm talking it's with Lukaku on his first time round. He didn't get a. He, he was bring the Chelsea were bringing in an aged Samuel Eto'o and persisting with Fernando Torres because there was a fifty yeah. million quid price tag. Who on was him. the manager then? Same one who's just fucking paid for him. Who was the manager who coated him off for missing a penalty in the uh, in the Super Cup final, yeah. right? And and then accused him of running away and not facing up to it, which is why he left. Oh, that would yeah. be Jose Mourinho, his new manager at Roma. Good luck, Tammy. <laughs> I mean, in all seriousness, as Marco and, and you were saying, and I'm sure Jonathan would echo this as well, but. I, I genuinely, I, re- I have a lot of affection for Tammy Abraham and I really do wish him all the best. And you never know, because this is such a mental club, he may well end up coming back in a few years' time, JK. There, there will always be that goal at the Emirates. Yeah. There will always be that goal at the Emirates, exactly. And at Wolves, the hat-trick. Oh, that was, could, a, that was a brilliant performance. You could see that he didn't uh, he didn't fit in Tuchel's plans for the kind of striker that he yeah. wanted. Yeah. So, uh, in a sense, if he's he's he, he doesn't fit in, um, sell him, but with, as you say, a buyback clause. And if he's only 22, if he then, in the next three years, however long it is, displays excellence, they've got the ability to, the, the, they, they've had the foresight to put this clause in and then buy him back. Yeah, that that is, <clears throat> excuse me, that is shrewd business. It's good to see Chelsea doing that these days. They've clearly learned their lesson. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne and Salah being the obvious, obvious ones. So it's good that they've... Uh, they're addressing that. Right, uh, time for us to have a, another wee break. Uh, and before we do that, uh, a quick shout out to Ye Oldie Chelsea Supporters Trust. I'm delighted to see that so many of the new members that we got, thanks to Chelsea shooting themselves in the foot with the European Super League, uh, have got their new badges. We don't need no stinking badges. Well, you do if you join the trust. That's how it works. I'm glad you've got them. 
Um, if you haven't, make sure you get hold of the trust and let them know. But if you want to be a member, and you jolly well should be, it's £5 to be a voting member per year. Uh, but that does give you important say on issues such as the Super League, ticket prices, kickoff times, lots of other stuff as well. And uh, we get your voice heard by the club. Uh, of course, you'll also be able to attend meetings and vote in the elections and put forward motions at the uh, AGM as well. Now, visit ChelseaSupportersTrust.com and sign up today. And while you're at it, if you've got a spare kind of 50 to 100 quid, maybe more on your hands, you can give that to the Chelsea pitch owners and buy a Chelsea pitch owner share because that is a very, very special thing because you can get it signed by a player. I got mine signed by Frank Lampard, I'm very delighted to say. Uh, but that means you have a share of the freehold of the stadium, which means that it is protected. The stadium or the pitch is protected from being sold to a property developer at some time in the future, which means that football will stay at Stamford Bridge, its spiritual home, forever. And as I said, they're priced between 31 quid, I think, for an electronic one. And they go up to about 210 quid for a signed frame woman, and you can get that one presented on the pitch. But go to the website, Chelsea's website, and search for Chelsea Pitch Owners. You'll find everything you need to there. We will see you in a minute. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am, of course, Stanford Chidge. Him down there is Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Whoop. Him over there is Mr. Mark Worrell. Hello. And uh, up in the top left corner, top bins, is Mr. Martin Wickham. On the left again. There's a shock. <laughs> yeah, but you are top bins as well. So there you go. Uh, been in right. the bin a few times. <laughs> well, indeed. I, I have a very long story about my uh, my getting acquainted with a wheelie bin, but it'll, it'll have to wait till the next time I see you all in the pub. I can't believe you don't know that story. It used to be like my legendary story for about 10 or 15 years. But... Oh, now I want to find out. <laughs> yeah, no, no, well, I'll have to tell you off air. Right, I'll have to wait. It's quite a story. It involves a lot of Spanish brandy. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, okay. <laughs> your face, Martin, said told, told me everything I needed to know. Right, yeah. we're, now, we're now in part three, and as I said earlier on in the introduction, it's a bit odds and sods tonight, um, because, of course, you know, I, I fully understand that most of you wouldn't have thought, oh, the Chelsea fancast are back, I need to send them an email, so you are forgiven this once. But actually, the reality is it does give us a chance to kind of get in a lot of stuff that I often have to kind of bin off because we don't have time. Uh, And the first one, of course, is the return of the fannies. Yes, 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 yes. The Chelsea Fancast fannies are back, which are our our match awards for uh, Man of the Match, Celery Moment and Guinness Moment. Now, for one time only, I'm going to remind you all for the hard of thinking what the definition of a celery moment and a Guinness moment is. A celery moment is a moment of proper chelsness or high comedy on or off the pitch. So something that evokes the spirit of being proper chels or something that is hilariously funny on or off the pitch. A Guinness moment is a moment of sheer genius, flair, class, brilliance, so good it makes you feel somewhat sexual or at the very least sexually aroused. It is that simple. I do not understand what the confusion between a Guinness and celery moment is. 
But this has been going on since I invented them, and Chell Tell was the worst offender back in those days, so maybe some things never change. Anyway, uh, the man of the match. The uh, nominations, by the way, our Discord group are very heavily involved with this. They get to kind of figure out their nominations, and I take it from there and then shove it up on Twitter uh, for people to vote. And uh, weirdly... Um, I think I, I thought I thought the poll was shut, but apparently there's 23 hours and 27 minutes left. I don't know why that is. Anyway, I've probably hit the wrong button. But this is it. This is definitive. Nothing else will count after I an announce who wins these. But the man of the match nominees were Marcus Alonso, Trevor Chaloba, and uh, Trevo Chaloba, I should say, and Jorginho. And in reverse order, Jorginho got seven percent. Marcus Alonso got twelve percent. And Trevo Chaloba got a staggering 81%. Martin? Um, thought it might be a little bit closer between Alonso and Chaloba, but I'm not going to not going to complain too much about that. I thought Alonso, especially in the first half on the left-hand side, due to the freedom of it and was able to create and cause so much bother down there. But the Chaloba, that goal plus general assuredness, no, no complaints. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I did vote for Alonso, I'll be honest with you, because I thought he was the best player we had on Saturday, JK. For me, he was. Yeah. There's an awful lot of Chaloba love. I'll give you a clue already. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So I, I get that. we can safely say that Chaloba smashed that one like he did the shot. So well done, Trevo. Uh, the fannies for the Guinness moment. The There were only two nominations for this, and you will therefore not be surprised to hear that it was Trevo's goal and Marcus Alonso's goal. And Alonso's goal got 17% and Chaloba's goal got 83%. I voted for Alonso again. <laughs> as, as would I. So there we go. See, the experts here have all... I'm, okay, just make sure. Uh, our biggest expert, Marco, would you have voted for Chaloba for Man of the Match and would you have voted for Alonso for the goal or what? I, I just think, uh, you know what you're kind of getting with Alonso. Um, so just going with sentiment for the new kid on the block who's proved um, he can cut it at the highest level, uh, I'm going with big Trevor. For so, man of the match? Well, yeah. And the, man and of the, the match, and the best goal. goal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. So there we go. So we still... it was from, because it was from open play as well. Um because kind of we all know that Marcos can smash them in um, from a dead ball situation, but that goal was phenomenal. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Right. Um, the last award, of course, is for the celery moment, and uh, there were three nominations here: uh, Chaloba, the goal celebration for Chaloba, everything around that, uh, the atmosphere at the bridge, which I thought was just brilliant, how it should be, proper Chels. And the third one, which some people may not have seen, but it was Joel Ward. I, uh, annoyingly, on Twitter polls, you can't write too much. And I just said Joel Ward falling over, but that doesn't do it justice. He ran he ran uh, towards our penalty area with a few minutes remaining and, and managed to trip over the ball and literally face plant onto the pitch, which I just thought, you know, that's, that was a beautiful moment, JK. It was very funny. It was very funny, wasn't it? I have to say, I did giggle. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kicking myself for not noticing that. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, think I, I think I might be mentally halfway down the road to what pub to get to. So <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see that at all. And normally, 
anything like this, I see something stupid, like someone, you know, getting it in the nads or whatever, I'm like, yep, voting for that, voting for that. Well, that, that is that is the definition of a celery moment, you know, that's that's what they're there for, you know, so it had to go in. Uh, but well done, actually, Alex Churchill, for reminding me. I mean, I did remember laughing my head off at the time, but she actually got it into her latest Girl Who Likes Balls article, which we tweeted out. Uh, yes. Fine article. She wrote a fine article, yeah, as always. She, she's a great writer. Anyway, so those are the nominations. And uh, the in reverse order, Joel Ward falling over only got 3%. So maybe people didn't see it. I don't know. Actually, it's because it's basically because everybody is wildly, passionately in love with Trabo Chaloba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because basically, uh, the atmosphere got twenty six percent, and uh, Chaloba got uh, his goal celebration won with seventy one percent. But that was his... that's fair, Chid, because it was wonderful. The it... celebration was yeah. absolutely wonderful. A deep, deep emotional moment for everybody who it, understood it, what was going on. If if you want to understand what football and Chelsea Football Club is really all about. You just make a documentary of that goal and the celebration afterwards and you've got it all. Because the reason why the roof went off is because it was a kid who's been at Chelsea for eight years fulfilling his dream. The reason why it was such a brilliant moment was because you could see in that moment what it meant to him. You know, if some wanker who we spent, you know, 50 million on comes in and scores a goal, they're not going to do that. Because they don't get it like he does. And he dropped to his knees and he was in tears because he was he was overwhelmed by the emotion of it and what it meant for him to score for his club. It was Completely. beautiful. If Lukaku scores his first goal and goes down and bursts into tears, I think we'll be very sympathetic, actually. But he no, won't. I'll, I'll say get up. I want to see a Ketz Bayer celebration or I'm walking out. <laughs> or kicking the ad balls. Yeah. <laughs> Take the shirt Wall- off, rip the shirt off, throw it on the, the pitch. cameras, the lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He should go behind a, a hoarding and come up with a, a wrestling mask, shouldn't he? That's what he should do. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Or, <laughs> or grab one of the Lukaku, can I have your shirt, please? Signs. Go and grab one of the signs, rip it up to tear it pieces, up, throw it, yeah, kick it yeah. in the net. I want to see beat violence. The there, beat the kid over the head with Maybe, it. Maybe yeah, sus- that's that. Get suspended yeah, for a year. Yeah, I, just, yeah. I want to see yeah. violence and anger. Yeah. But there you go. Well, what can I say? Ch- Chaloba's got a hat-trick in the fannies. I mean, if I tell him that, he'll be more pleased about that than getting the goal, I'm sure. But somebody asked me, um, Baseman on Twitter, he asked me if, if anybody had got a clean sweep before. And actually, I'm pretty sure. I think Frank Lampard did several times on the fannies back in the day, JK. Do you remember that? Uh, no. no, no. Okay. I just thought I'd ask. You never know. Anyway, there you go. That, that is our fannies for this week. There will be more next week. Now, good old Dino, who's an absolute legend and then some, uh, last season did a load of... He got us all to tell, tell him what how we thought the season would pan out um, in terms of our predictions. And then we all forget. And in the last show of the season, he, he remembers that, or he reminds us that we did it and he absolutely humiliates us and embarrasses us with how appalling we are at predicting anything and he actually adds points to this so you know it's it's a bit bit competitive but he's done it again and these are the predictions this year I've predicted that we will win the league that uh, we'll score 78 goals concede 36 goals the top four will be Chelsea City Liverpool United the bottom will be Wolves Norwich and Watford and we will win the Club World Cup we will be in the quarterfinal of the Caribou Cup We'll win the FA Cup. We'll be in the semi-final of the Champions League. And Havertz will be the top scorer with 18. And the player of the year will be Mason Mount. Right? Uh, JK, on the other hand. 
JK has predicted that this is brilliant. This is this is this. You, I mean, again, our personalities just shine through this, and yours has shone through like <laughs> a laser beam, my friend. JK says we're going to finish first in the Premier League, score 106 goals. That would be a, about a record by my reckoning. Uh, we're going to concede 27, so nearly 10 less than this uh, last season. Uh, the top four will be Chelsea, City, United, West Ham. The bottom three will be Watford, Brentford and Newcastle. And, and this is where it gets fun, we're going to win the Club World Cup, win the Caribou Cup, win the FA Cup, win the Champions League. Not greedy at all, JK. And uh, the top scorer and number of goals will be Lukaku with 32 and the player of the year will be Havertz. Now, I'm not going to read everybody else's out. If you want to know what Tony and Alex and Clayton and Dan and Dane and Mark Meehan and um, uh, Dean and Louis all think, then you must go to our website where you will you will see them all revealed. But uh, as I've got Marco and Martin on, I'm going to read theirs out. Marco says, we're going to finish second. Uh, we're going to score 78 goals, concede 26. Top four will be City, Chelsea, Liverpool, United. Bottom three, Southampton, Watford, Norwich. We're going to win the World Club Cup. We're going to win the Caribou Cup. Uh, we're going to be the semi-final of the FA Cup. Quarter-final of the Champions League. Lukaku will be the best, highest goal scorer with 22. And he will also be the player of the year. And Martin's predictions are to be second in the league. Score 72 goals, concede 25 the top four will be City, Chelsea, Liverpool, United. Bottom three, Brentford, Newcastle, Watford. And we will win the World Club Cup. And we will be runners-up in the Caribou Cup. We will win the FA Cup. We'll be the semi-final in the Champions. Remarkably similar to mine, Martin. I'm I'm getting in, I'm encouraged already because you always win these things. Uh, the top one score, out of one. <laughs> top scorer with uh, with uh, uh, thirty-two. Sorry, twenty-two goals will be Lukaku. And player will the be Mason Mount. So you, you're almost identical to me, mine. I'm, I'm yeah. I, royally I wrote, encouraged by this. I, I wrote my relegation candidates before Brentford beat Arsenal, but I still maintain they may just get picked on the last week. Yeah, but you and I both said Newcastle will go down. I certainly hope. Oh, they're so. shit. And, and Watford. <laughs> yeah, I said Brentford, that... Newcastle, and Watford as well. I said the same. Yeah, Newcastle. Yeah. You. This will probably rebound on me in a couple of months' time, but they've been like comically bad for so many years that they have to I, I've got eventually you, yeah. fall away. I think it depends on whether Wilson plays for them regularly. He's a very good player. I've always rated him. I mean, even yesterday, just you could, even though I had the commentary muted, you could hear the crowd going, ah, shape man. When kind of weird shape. Go and find oh, me a horse to punch. <laughs> yeah, you know, save a penalty. And... Was that German um, equestrian person actually a Geordie? <laughs> Who knows? The one that punched the horse. The first thing I thought when I heard that story it must have been a, jo- a Geordie German. Um, so there we go. So that's our predictions. As I said, if you want to go and find out what the others predicted, um, then go to the website Chelsea FC. Uh, Chelsea Can I actually FC, say, Chidge, to, to be what? fair to, to Dino, I actually said Messi would be player of the year because I thought we'd do a kind of scoop and... Uh, I said, but in view of the fact if this won't take place, can you make it Havertz? Lukaku could be fairly pissed off if he scored 32 goals and didn't get player of the year as well. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, my controversial... I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i not in the least surprised that JK said we're going to win everything because he says that every year. But um, <laughs> I, I've been a bit controversial here because I've said Havertz will be the top goal scorer with 18. So there it's you go. not even controversial, possibly. Well... Very pessimistic. Because everybody's uh, saying that Lukaku's going to get over 20 goals, blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, actually, he might not. 
he might get 60 Surely he must score over 20 goals. Surely, because of the number of competitions we're in and the number of, of inept sides we will play against on, on the way. You know, Carabao Cup, surely he'll score four in a game. I mean, he must. Well, we don't know. I've just kind but of like... Well, he's that class of player. I mean, anyway, you know... I'm just, just not trying him. to hex him, Jacob. No, I know. Well, no, well... <laughs> what did <laughs> I say in our WhatsApp like group? It, sounding slightly as if it, you know... What did I say in our WhatsApp get the curse, group? The curse of the Chelsea striker. Well, there you go. But, no, but I, what I like about him, and I, I don't think he played terribly well in the European Championship, but he has a he has a dip. You know, we're in a great tradition of uh, Hughes and Viali. He sees the goal and he, uh, you know, he, he's got a very decent shot. You know, it, it's Mark Steen all over again. He, it, it's um, He has a go. It's not, it's this thing, as I was saying, that Werner has this annoying habit, which he didn't have at the rate when he first turned up, is you see the moment from the crowd when he's got the ball, there's the goal, have a dip, just have a shot. And he, and his shot isn't. It was like the volley that he did, in fact, in the game that he just got his. Um, uh, he got ahead of uh, the, the the whoever it was and volley and almost scored. That kind of goal is something that, that Lukaku can do as well. And it, it's actually very similar to the kind of goal that Trevor Peacock and Johnny Spencer scored. That kind of just straight volley, the volley that ball comes over and they're there ahead of the defender with a with a first time shot. It's the first time shooting that we we're not very good at. And is it because we're not accurate? I suppose it is because Kovacic isn't ever accurate. Um, uh, Jorginho isn't ever accurate. So let's hope that the strikers, that the one striker who was, we are saying, you are the main guy, this is what you do, will just kick it when he sees the goal, you know, which is that moment when the goalkeeper's unsighted, when he's unsettled, when he's not in position. When we seem to set stuff up where we take an extra touch, goalkeeper's there, Defender comes across and blocks. It's that one moment. It's that get the ball on target. You know, I think which he does, Lukaku. So mm. there we are. Well, let's hope so. Even though I refuse to hex it, but I've got high hopes for Havertz. Actually, I really do. I think this kid is gonna gonna absolutely take it by storm this year. I think he's superb. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Completely. But uh, Marco uh, has been clever because Marco is also like Martin, clever, which is why Martin and Marco. Uh, beat the shit out of everybody. Well, all of us certainly in the Prem Predictions League. But Marco, I, what I do, what I do like, mate, is all of us. I think actually every single one of us has said we're going to win the Club World Cup. I like that, Marco. Wouldn't that be nice? No Corinthians. <laughs> do you know who's in there? I can find out. There's only two. There's only three teams confirmed for it. Really? Far. Hang on. Give me two minutes. All right. Come back to us on that one. But uh, yeah, Marco's got a, a lot of uh, faith in Lukaku as well. So you know, twenty-two oh, goals. Yeah, I, I just think he's really going to smash it this yeah. time. So. I hope so, mate. It'd be great, wouldn't it? Well, I, th- I don't think failure's an option, really, is it? Well, no, there is that. At uh, 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 that kind of money. Well. Um, um, we shall see, as they say, and at the end of the season, Dino will come back and humiliate. Some of us, I think. I think the team. I think Chelsea have got a fairly good chance of um, winning the Club World Cup. We've got the teams here. So. Have you? Who, who's in it then? So the competition itself is apparently between the ninth and the nineteenth of December in Japan. So no chance of going if they, the Olympics is anything to go by. Right. So representing Africa, we've got Al Ali of Egypt. Um, Oceania have just nominated a club because they didn't have any tournaments due to the pandemic. So 
Auckland City. Um, CONCACAF, so that's Central America, North America, is between three Mexican teams, America, Cruz Azul, Monterrey, and the Philadelphia Union. And a Japanese team, basically the winners of the Japanese league get in as well. Um, but the ones we probably need to be more concerned about is the winner of the 2021 Copa Libertadores. So that is down to the quarterfinal stage. Um, mostly Brazilian teams, shock horror. Um, there's one Argentinian team left, that's River Plate. We'll Ooh. check that. I've not not Boca. No, they're out. I thought Hernan Crespo was still managing them for some reason, but got that wrong. Um, representing Ecuador, Barcelona, not that one. And from Paraguay, a team called Olympia. And five Brazilian teams. So we've got Atletico Mineiro, who may have just signed a certain Diego Costa recently. Sao Paulo, Palmeiras, Fluminense, and probably, I think they played Liverpool in it a couple of years ago, Flamengo. Mm. So no Corinthians, which gives us a possible fighting chance. Well, we'll end up, I mean, I, I suppose we'll get seeded and won't, we'll end up playing a semi-final and a final, won't we, like we did last time? Yeah, it, you seed yeah. into the semi and then final or third place. So we'll end up playing a Brazilian side yet again. We've got to win it this time. We might not ever get another chance. And I want to like, I want to like die uh, having at least uh, equaled Liverpool in terms of World Club Cup wins. What do you mean you might not ever get another chance? Well, you never know. You might not win the Champions League again. We will a lot. Don't worry. (laughs) We're going to win it. We're going to win it this season, according to you, JK. Exactly. Exactly. So I should stop worrying. Exactly. Right. um, Now, Premier Predictions League. Um, This has kicked off, obviously, because we've had one match. You can still join this if you want to. I mean, you will start. Well, you might not necessarily. I mean, you know, if you started like this Friday, uh, you'd obviously have no points, but you'd still be ahead of Tony Glover. So, you know, all is not lost. Um, so you can join it. I mean, I have to say, we all love it. It's great fun playing this. There's there's proper uh, competition in there. I mean, there's actually, we, we've we've got 63 people in there this year. We had about 30-odd last year, so it's it's got more popular. Uh, there's, like, lots of mini-leagues within our Chelsea Fancast League. So there are, there, who have we got in here from the Fancast? Martin, Marco, JK, Dino, me, Dane Whittle... Mark, Meehan and Tony are all in it from the fan cast. But this year, we've also got some Chelsea legends. Yes, Pat Nevin, Kerry Dixon and Paul Cannaville are also competing in our Chelsea fan cast league. And the rest of them are made up of you lovely people who listen to the show. So there are little mini competitions. I can tell you that the ex-pros are desperate to beat each other. And I know, well, the others probably don't give a monkeys, but I, I desperately want to beat all of them. And I managed to fail to do that last year. So it is great fun. It's hard as well because you get points deducted if you get the odd... Because it's all done on... You have to predict the right score. So, you know, if you'd have predicted Chelsea were going to win 3-0 on Saturday, you would have got lots of points. But if you get it wrong, like you didn't know that uh, United were going to hump Leeds, then you lose a point or about three points for every goal you didn't get right. So it's quite mental. And as a result, you can get minus points. So you can still join it if you want to. Uh, the link for new players is uh, pinned to our Chelsea Fancast Twitter page. So go and do that. It costs you 20 quid, but you can win cash prizes if you're manager of the month. You get a bottle of whiskey. And people won, I mean, you know, Freddie won about 500 bar last year. So, you know, it's there's, there's prizes. There's definitely prizes. But, of course, it's the honour of being the 
uh, the winner of the Chelsea Fancast Premier Predictions League that counts most. And I can tell you that after one week, uh, Luke Withers is top of the league. Top of the league, having a laugh. He got 153 points. Two spot-ons. You get more points for those. Um, so what did he win? He, he got Burnley 1, Brighton 2, spot-on. And he got Palace uh, being beaten by Chelsea 3-0, spot-on. So there you go. Well done, Luke. Luke's in our Discord group as well, so I shall congratulate him personally in there. And for the record, uh, Martin Wickham, no surprise, is leading the Fancasters. He's in 15th place at the moment. He got 95 points. Then, uh, not surprisingly either, Marco is second. He's in 28th with 73 points. Slow start for Marco, but him, him, Marco and Martin will be duking it out to the very end, I am sure. They were last year. Marco... Some crazy, crazy scoreline. Weren't I mean, like, there? 4-2. New, Newcastle yeah. 2, West Ham 4. And I, I, at the end of that game, West Ham fans were singing, we're going to win the league. Yeah, well, that's the West Ham fan. I had 1-1 one, one in that one. Of course, uh, I had two-two for United Leeds. Brilliant, love it. So, yeah, you, I mean, you, you and you and Martin Marco, I expect you're the form boys. But anyway, you're in twenty-eighth on seventy-three. J.K. This is the breaking news of the week. Uh, the uh, the perennial uh, Watford stroke Norwich stroke uh, Newcastle of the Chelsea fancast Premier Predictions League is Jonathan Kidd, but this season he started with a bang. He is in thirty-third place on sixty-four points. So there you go, J.K. Really? Yeah, really. You know, I couldn't get the uh, my iPhone to do a zero, a naught, so I had to give everybody one. <laughs> well, maybe that's the answer, <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't fix your keypad, it's working. <laughs> do you know what? I had that trouble last year with uh, predicting who was the team that were going to score the you know fastest. Every every week it would say Fulham, and it was like stuck on Fulham. I thought you bastards, how could you do this to me? Anyway, yeah, well done, J.K. You're you're comfortably mid table at the moment. Then out of us lot, then out of us lot, Dean Dean is forty uh, third with forty nine points. I am equal forty fifth with forty seven points. Sorry, Dean's got forty nine points. I got forty seven. Dane uh, is in forty eighth with forty four points. Mark me in fifty eighth uh, with twenty one points, and Tony Glover propping us all up with a staggering minus 14 points. Well done, Tony. I can only su- suspect that Tony had his holiday head in uh, and was off to France when he did this and didn't think about it properly. But there you go. Uh, just to let you know how the ex- how the ex-pros are doing, Pat Nevin, unsurprisingly, is leading that lot. He's in 30th with, fifth- with 67 points. So Marco and Martin are better than Pat Nevin. Uh, Kerry is in 50th. He'll be very cross when I tell him this because I haven't told him yet. He's on 41 points. He's even behind me and Dane, so Kerry will not be happy. But dear old Canners has had a bit of a mare. He's on the same points as Mark Meehan uh, on 21. He's in 58, so there you go. So we will be talking more about this as uh, the shows and the season progresses, but it is huge fun, huge fun. So there we go. Just just one point, actually, yeah. mentioning Canners. Yeah. He came to the stall on uh, Saturday and it was great to see him mm. given um, everything he's been through. Yeah, and obviously nearly... he was going off to the uh, the grand opening of the the Cannaville suite or grand opening to the public on a match day. Yeah, I, I saw some great pics of that. I saw the pic that you had with him. He's, he's looking well, actually, isn't he? 
Yeah, he's lost quite a bit of weight. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's, uh, it was vibrant. Oh, that's good. I had a lovely chat with him on, on Friday because, of course, you know, Canners refuses to like, he doesn't, doesn't you know, I said, mate, you, I said, there are two ways to do this. Either you, you sign up yourself with your email address uh, and then you do it. He said, or, or if you can't be asked, just I'll phone you once a week and I'll put them in for you. He said, yeah, mate, that, that's, that'll do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's literally phoning it in. I mean, what can I say? Uh, but I'm not. I'm not trying to influence him in any any way, shape, or form. I'm just going. Tell me what you want to put, and I'll put that. But uh, there you go. Right. So there we go. Uh, that's your Prem predictions league. Do join us. Um, that, by the way, if you do, I'll let you into the uh, the Discord group uh, without um, without you having to join Patreon, which is quite a giggle. But uh, more of that in a minute. Uh, we have an email, J.K. Yes. from Temba. Now Temba is a lad that I met whilst I was waiting for you with his lovely lady friend Cassie and and he was a bit shy of coming up and saying hello and he said and he was he was lovely and and I and he said I, I've been meaning to email in but I, I've never I've, I'm a bit you know didn't a bit nervous about doing it I said no 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 mate email in email in and look he's done it two days later shall I read it yeah happy for you too all right dear Chidge and the rest of the fan cast uh, greetings from Birmingham such a lovely pleasure to have met Chidge um after the game on the weekend, have a quick chat with a legend himself. That's you, Chich, you're the legend. Saturday's game was a fantastic return to a full capacity bridge in a long time since Everton, if I'm not mistaken. It was fantastic to see Chalabar get a goal on his debut and Tuchel put absolute faith in him. Hope he stays and continues to prove we do have capable enough players in our academy when given the chance. Because I'm sure there were several of us who thought we would maybe not see another academy player for a few years because Lampard had left. Tuchel, however, has a good record of promoting youth players himself and hasn't put a foot wrong whilst being at Chelsea. Long may it continue. We can achieve great success. I must also apologise for not meeting you guys earlier when I've been to games. I usually come down from Birmingham by myself, so I usually travel straight home before and after the game. And unfortunately, due to this, I don't have the opportunity to go for a drink or wander around unless I'm staying for the weekend. So next time, I'll try and buy you all a drink next time I stay in the city. Thank you all once again. Hope to see you soon and up the chels. Kind regards, Temba. What a lovely email, Temba. I'm so glad you wrote in. And by the way, there are about 12 of us, so maybe maybe we should buy you a beer. That might be a better way round. What do you think? You could buy us each a 12th. You could buy us a 12th of a beer. We have a sip each. Yeah. Have straws. A shot glass or something. <laughs> but, but seriously, Temba, you know, if you do get down and you've got time for a beer before the match, definitely come and see us. We're usually in the Cock Tavern in North End Road, so come and, come and say hello, and we will buy you a beer, but we won't stop you buying us one. That is for sure. Yeah. After the after the game was a bit of a sham. Yeah, what happened with the Atlas then, mate? Because I was well, I don't know. We we got there and we were told table only, and you must have a reservation. Of course, none of us have a bloody reservation because we assumed you could just walk in and you know as previously, but that wasn't the case. I've since heard that that may be what they're doing because they're staff haven't had the opportunity to get the second dose of the vaccine yet i'm not sure if that is the case i suppose that is reasonable but it wasn't really communicated so it was a bit piss poor and i think i just walked or saying thank you very much i won't be coming back again so we ended up you know just outside the lily for a bit but yeah i mean i think i think some certain pubs do need to remember that they were you know crying for assistance for the last year and a half 
that they shouldn't now use the reopening to um try accommodate and accommodate and, they're trying to cull their clientele a little bit to have it the way they would prefer and i think oh. they, need to re- they need to remember that football was keeping them afloat for the last few well, years i think that's interesting isn't it because this will go go one of two ways either a lot of pubs that have kind of struggled on through over the last year and a half without us will go oh oh yeah it's a, it's a lot easier than having to deal with you know hundreds of thirsty football fans who are quite raucous maybe we'll posh our pop up a bit and ignore the football fans and whereas the others will be I mean, so desperate to cling on that they'll welcome us with open arms. I suspect you'll see a shift, Martin. I see the uh, the good old Jolly Monsters now no more. It's now the Wolf Pack, and it's all painted black. And that I, sounds I, like an Aussie theme bomb. And I wish a bomb would drop on it because it's a blight <laughs> on fucking Fulham now. I tell there you. is a there is a cricket based theme bar called Six. Yeah, isn't yeah, I know that one down in uh, that the the road with the funny name to do with a farm. Yeah, I can never remember the name. Bag- Bagley's. No, Bagley. no, not Bagley's. No. I've, I've never, I've never looked at the road. It's the road where the Maltsters on. So it's, yeah, as you go, basically, as I'm heading towards the Atlas, I cut yeah, through. I was going to say yeah. it's, it's my route to the Atlas, exactly that. But perhaps not anymore, Martin. Hmm. Maybe not. Well, we'll have to see if they do change it in a few weeks' time. Then maybe review it. But Lily was all right once you got over the queue. Yeah, and... she's a nice girl, Lily. <laughs> Fimbra's not reopened, I believe. Really? Well, yeah. Last time I heard, the theatre was was yeah. up. The property was up for sale. I heard, I heard that. I heard that. So. Oh God, it's so hard to get a flaming drink in that bloody place nowadays. Anyway, let's not go down that alley. We'll be here all night. Um, it was great to be in the cock on Saturday. I have to say they're they're very much on message, and uh, we had a there was loads of us in there. It was great. I haven't seen that many people that I knew in there for a long time. It was superb. Um. Well, I was going to say that's all we've got time for. But actually, uh, before I do, uh, JK has a special announcement to make. Um, well, after all my years working on the fan cast, now has come the time to leave. No, 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 I didn't mean it. No, um, uh, no we've got, um, uh, we're doing something every week. I'm trying to get, a. a, a, a I've, I've had a couple of goes with, I can't speak, a couple of goes with Dan. Um, to do a, a video uh, aspect of the, the fancast that we could just st- stick up on websites or stick up on the fancast website or even um, uh, stick up as a uh, have a brief bit of it on Twitter and put the rest on Instagram. And then I thought, no, it doesn't work. I was a bit dull. I'll be frank. I was dull. So I thought, I know, let's just have a, um, a two minute version. And what I want to try and do is to get every member of the fancast to have a go at it so that people at home can actually work out, oh, that's what they look like. Because there are some people all all over the place who listen that's to why the they show. do podcasts don't, they're all over we, yeah but don't know what we look like well they, they can look at us and go god he's a really ugly fucker but at least they'll know you know this time so um the alternative was to have got a pen pictures all over the fan cast wasn't it chidge but we thought no let's do the videos <laughs> so um uh, pen pictures with a photograph i should say um but uh, so uh, i'll be calling on you chaps that uh, if i can beard you in your den as it were after a game ask you for two minutes what your view of the match was. I'll try and keep quiet. I failed miserably with the one we just put up um, at the weekend. So uh, I hope you're up for this. So we just do a, a quick two-minute fan bite, we're calling it. So um, Chelsea uh, fan bite, isn't it? Chelsea fan bite. So when either of you is available for game, we'll work it out beforehand, see if we can meet. I tend to try and go to most of the away games. If you happen to be at one of the away games, let's meet briefly, do the two minutes. I'll post it up and then... Uh, 
We'll see what the reaction is or not, just as long as we keep it going. I'm just keen for this to try and take off. I want people to be aware of us, um, uh, of what we look like, basically. It's a different presence, isn't it? And uh, I mean, it's kind of a variation on the theme that you and I did a while back, but I was usually so pissed by the time I found you. And also occasionally, <coughs> excuse me, occasionally we couldn't do it because you were off to supporters trust meetings yeah, or, yeah. or whatever. And I want to try and do this as consistently as no. possible. Well, I can confirm, JK, that <coughs> it got a lot of love and a lot of views, actually, which is quite remarkable. But there was a hilarious comment that I must see if I can find. Uh, bollocks, I won't be able Somebody to... said I look like Big Show. Did you see that? The wrestler. Who, They'd never seen me before. Never, I don't even know what that means. It's a very, very large man with... Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I did yeah, see that. A very, very large yeah, face, very and I couldn't actually see the, resem- <laughs> see the resemblance whatsoever. No, but I nonetheless, I went with it. You know, I thought, hey, you know, look like a wrestler. Thanks very much, you know. I did see this. <laughs> Sorry, go on, go on, Marco. You were, were going to say something, Marco? No. No. I no. was going to say, Marco, would you mind doing that if I just, you know, beard you at uh, after a game, just quick two minutes, what you thought of the game, so we can yeah, do it? No, yeah, yeah. Fun. Same with you, Martin. It's having you know, quick go, yeah, go away. You know. Under the influence, I am at the time. Yeah, well, I, certainly. It, 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 <laughs> mate, if I can do it pissed, yeah. you certainly can. It, it yeah, but the one be, you did particularly pissed, Chidge, the one you particularly pissed, we'd never put up. No? You were so pissed. No. Never <laughs> I thought that would have been brilliant, that one. It was the one that Clayton was at, and Clayton actually said, while you were doing it, Clayton just kept, he was behind you, and he just kept going, <laughs> no, no, no. no. I've got, mate, I've I've been on national radio that that pissed before. Funnily enough, I never got asked back by that radio station. <laughs> in fact, actually, I was up in up in the uh, uh, Copthorn and Cundy and Spy were having. I'd met them for a drink, having been out on the piss with this lot all day. In fact, actually, Martin was there. He came back too, and I and I got phoned and I said, "Sorry, chaps, I got to fucking speak to whoever it was. I can't remember who it was now." And I and I went around the corner and you know I'm I'm rather loud and I I thought I was just being brilliant. And I came back and said, oh, that was all right then. And then Spy and Cundy just fell off their chairs like I said, mate, you were absolutely shit-faced. <laughs> and funny enough, I never got phoned back by that particular radio station. Anyway, the particular tweet and reply to our wonderful fanbite, Chelsea fanbite video, JK, was from Nick uh, Feinberg, uh, who says that we look like a pair of Jewish aunties talking about a bar mitzvah. Yeah, I said to him, I think that's a compliment, isn't it? I don't know. I can't, can't quite tell, but uh, whatever. It was a lot of fun to do, so watch out for those. Got a lot of love for them. People thought they were great fun. It's just us talking nonsense about the football after the match, right after the match. It might be emotional in the future. I, I warn you now, it could well yeah. be. Yeah. People don't want to try and keep the pattern of it, do one after every game. Yeah, And and if possible, perhaps a couple of Zooms in between that um, uh, nudge it along, um, see how, what the reaction is to it, see whether we get uh, decent hits on it. That one did pretty well, didn't it? Yeah, so. quite over 5,000 views or something. Yeah. yeah. There you go. All right. Okay. That really is uh, all we've got time for tonight. But JK Clayton Beerman and Adam Newson from Football.London will return on Friday with me for the preview show with assorted guests at 7pm live on your Mixlr. And, of course, we'll be looking ahead to Sunday's match against relegation contenders Arsenal. Uh, next Monday, JK and I will be joined by Dane Whittle and Mark Meehan to look back at the Arsenal match, amongst other things. Uh, but, of course, before that, don't forget to check out... I don't know if Dean's doing a Went to Mo Kings pod- Meadow podcast this week, but if he is, it will be uh, up on uh, Acast and all other places, and I will alert you to that, because they are rather brilliant. 
Uh, and of course, the Fancast, as you all know, is available as a podcast on ChelseaFancast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, and other podcast distributors. So there we go. There's no excuses. And uh, you heard me whisper on about Patreon earlier. Um, because if you do, uh, if you feel so disposed to bung us a few quid every month, you'll be very, that'll be very lovely of you. But there's no pressure. You really don't have to. We love you all equally, whatever you do. But it does help me cover the cost of the show and stuff. Uh, but <clears throat> what you get back for it, uh, it's not a lot, really. We don't put up kind of like Patreon only content or anything like that. That's far too much bother for me to do. But you do get uh, a, a mini Kerry Dixon banner automatically if you want one and might even get him to sign a few if i can uh but of course you also get into our discord group which is a lot of fun on a match day uh with lots of really really brilliant people in there and of course if you join the prem predictions league you get into the discord group as well so there you go so go and join us on patreon patreon.com forward slash chelsea fancast thank you to all of you who've been doing so either recently or for a long 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 time you're absolutely beautiful lovely people but not in a brendan rogers way obviously uh now now we're back emails are uh, mandatory so get your thinking caps on type away on that keyboard and send them in by sunday night would be my preference um and then you send them to chelseafancast.gmail.com and if you do that jk and i will read them out to you um so there you go no matter how many we get we always try and read them all out unless i put a finite time on it which i very rarely do so do that we'd love to hear from you as you know uh right you can follow the show on twitter at chelsea fancast me at stanford cheers jonathan at jonathan kid marco at gate 17 marco and martin at martin underscore wickham and of course we're on instagram facebook and everywhere as at chelsea fancast so there we go um it's great to be back martin indeed it is um good to be here for our first game of the season it feels like a bit of a bit of a special run out early on so mm. no it's been it's been great it's i mean we've i've seen all of you lot you know fairly recently doing the 50 actually the other thing i should remind you all about the 50 years of chelsea series we now have a complete set from 1969-70 to 96-97 seasons that is a lot of podcasts and they are they are even if i do say it myself utterly brilliant so if you haven't heard them yet, or if you missed out on a few, just go to the website, 50 Years of Chelsea. It's on the website, and you can find out how to download them all. But I've seen these chaps over the summer because we've been doing a lot of those. But it's lovely to see them here back doing a proper Monday Night Chelsea fancast, talking about the football with Martin and Marco. Great to see you, mate, as always. Cheers, mate. Lovely to see everyone. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And uh, and last, but by no means least, Mr. Jonathan Kidd, the inventor of the Chelsea fanbite. Thank you. Well, let's hope it um, lasts the whole season. I think it'd be great. I think it's a nice little addition to what we do. And that's exactly why I loved your idea. So there you go. It's been great to see you as always, mate. Thank you. Love to be on the show. Mm. I will see you as always. I'll see you uh, on Friday. Uh, People in Mixler, thank you for joining us as always. Lovely to see you back. Have a safe week. We'll see you again on Friday and then next Monday. And uh, let's hope everybody enjoys the Arsenal game, particularly those of you who are going there. Give them hell. Uh, I haven't. I didn't, I'm not able to go next uh, next Sunday. Dave, have you heard the story this morning about the tickets? Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. And all you could see is, was I'm not going there to listen to them singing about being the fucking champions of Europe yeah. for 90 minutes. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we can we can we can vary it. We can sing about being the only team in yeah. London to uh, win it, yeah. to win it twice. You know. Yeah. yeah, I just thought that was hilarious. They are really they're in the mire, aren't they? But there you go. Oh. Well, oh. they they couldn't they didn't bid for Tammy Abraham reportedly. He wanted to go there. That was his preference. They couldn't put a bid in because they had to get rid of 
Lacazette, I believe. Wow. So they are financially a bit fucked. Mm. And they're, they're, I mean, you know, they're putting tickets for the for the Chelsea match on general sale. I don't think they are. They've 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 dropped it down to like the lowest possible level for members. So you can buy one and you can buy five. Mm. I. I I don't think they'll be that stupid to put it on general sale because it may be a recreation of 1984. Because they are are areas all over the stadium available. And they'll still claim a 60,000 sale. Of course they will. (laughs) And they'll still play out of their skins against us because they always do. Well, we'll see. I think Tuchel will be more savvy this time. Yeah, and Lukaku will be making his debut. Yes, I can't wait. Uh, Mixler people, as I said, you've been fantastic. Lovely to see you back. I love these guys. They've been brilliant tonight, as they always are. Uh, It really does feel like we're back. Fantastic stuff. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Eine Frage. Wie schnell war der Aufschlag? 150 km/h. Wie lang war der Drive? 229 Meter. Wie lange hast du geschlafen? Oh, 7 Stunden 54 Minuten. Letzte Frage. Trainierst du deinen Körper und deinen Geist mit der Achtsamkeit? Ja, genau das mache ich. Wir alle haben Fragen und die neue Apple Watch Series 7 hat die Antworten auf dem bisher größten und fortschrittlichsten Display. Die Zukunft der Gesundheit am Handgelenk. Lieferengpässe möglich. Erfordert ein iPhone 6S oder neuer App aus dem App Store, Abo erforderlich.